burning. You know I hear a I don't know the words to the song. You know I should have been a I don't even know what song you're singing, so good luck, everybody. Generation <laughs> of winners. You don't know that song? Um, the song that you don't know the words to? Yeah, I know the chorus like a motherfucker. Oh, okay. Glad we're here. Glad we're... I am, baby. Da -na -na -na. Come and take me. Take me by the hand, ooh, honey, here I am, baby. We don't know what you're talking about. Okay, great. I'm glad we're here. Now you're just making up words. Now it's just words. Now it's just words. It's just words and stuff. Somebody wipe my hiney. What is wrong with you? Oh, a lot. Um, hi, um, y'all. This is hindsight. I'm, 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 I'm Derek. That's my co-host, Brandon. That's my right hand. Today, we're joined by the in, the inimitable, the the wonderful, the uh, Baltimore's finest. We got Stephanie from Mocha Minutes. Uh, Baltimore's What's with purple finest. balloons? Oh, this is for my birthday. Yeah, she just birthday. had her birthday. Oh, yeah. Turn up. And cabbage. And cabbage. Womp womp. Wait, I'm sorry. But I'm Um, today we are so glad to have Stephanie with us. Stephanie, before we get started, tell us a little bit something about yourself. Tell them about the show. Because remember, this ain't single simulcast. This is hindsight. So there may be folks who aren't aware of you. So go ahead and let them know where they can find you. Hey guys, this is Stephanie. I host the Mocha Minutes podcast. Uh, it's a nice little weekly show where me and my guest, it's always a different guest every week, unless, you know, it's the same person from last week. Uh, we talk about current events, my single life, mental health, uh, politics, because November's coming, um, and anything else that's going on that week. Uh, we are now starting to give people their roses, because... You know, you got to give people their roses while they're still here. Uh, we play fun games like Am I the Asshole? And we read stuff from Reddit. And typically, the person is the asshole. But, you know, just for shits and giggles, we may say they're not. But they typically are. Um, you can find the Mocha Man's podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, CastBox, or whatever podcatcher you are uh, using. And we're so glad to have you here with us today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. No problem. This was a movie that uh, I, sometimes when we, sometimes when we do these movies, there ain't nothing going to change. You know, you're either set in your ways. This is a great movie or you're <laughs> set in your ways. It's a horrible movie. And often nothing ever changes in your mind, even after seeing it. In this case, sheesh, 20 years later, 24. Um, but then sometimes there are movies that you, you, you change. Um, it, it, you, you see things differently as you grow, mature, age, whatever, as experiences hit you, or as you just fucking 
sit back and be quiet and watch it. And mm-hmm. this time was no different because today we are talking about set it off. Set it off, I suggest y'all. Set it off, I suggest Set It Off came out in 1996 when I was damn sure. You know what? We're not even going to get into my experience with it. Stephanie, what was your first experience watching Set It Off? So, I will say, I don't remember going to go see this in theaters. I think I had to wait until it came on cable. But ironically, um, for Christmas... That year, I got the Set It Off soundtrack and the Night Professor soundtrack. Um, so my first experience was watching it at home. And of course, I'm watching this through, let's say, 96, carry the one, uh, 13, 14-year-old eyes. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Just didn't. Because man, oof. Mm. Brandon, what about you? I never saw this film, so I just heard about the film. Because uh, mm, you're a little bit younger. Uh, I know that when I was growing up, this is, this is, well, no, I knew about the film. I just didn't go see it because when I was younger, this is one of those films that, like, all girls I knew liked. Like, mm. all the types of films. And I was just like, hmm, I'm good. Uh, and so I never thought twice about it. And so then when Rashani was like, all right, we're going to do set it off. I was like, mm-hmm. good. There's a movie I ain't seen before. I can, I can talk about it from fresh eyes. Wow. And this movie. Okay. This movie was a lot. It was, I can totally see why, um, women may have liked this film at the time, but I can also see like, and then the other part of me is like, this film is really fucked up towards women. So I, I can see both parts of that because the, the camaraderie between the cast, like Queen Latifah and Jada Pinkett and mm-hmm. um, Vivica Fox, they were great. Like they had super good like uh, chemistry. And so I can see people being like, oh yeah, you know, it's like with me and my girls. But like everything else around outside of that was like super fucked up. Yeah, don't forget Kimberly Elise. She, you know, give her her oh, yeah. Because, man, homegirl be sneaking in. Just sneaking in. Like, wow, okay. When I first saw this movie, I was 16 years old. And uh, saw it in the movie theater. Um, It was 1996. Tupac uh, was still the head of my household. 
as far as I was <laughs> concerned. And uh, it was also the era of, it wasn't the era, I don't believe, of um, of uh, Biggie's uh, Get Money uh, era, like, like, like Junior Mafia, but I think it was pretty close. And um, so a lot of the, yeah, it was right after Junior Mafia came out. So the era that I was in was of a uh, fuck bitches, get money, MOB, all that kind of stuff. And so we went into this movie, not really, I, I went into this movie, not really watching uh, mm-hmm. the signs. I didn't see the signs at all. Um, what I saw was bank robberies and um, mm. Queen Latifah's uh, 6-4 and uh, how many rappers were in the movie. And, um, like there's a lot and, um, (laughs) and the soundtrack and how it banged and, uh, the, the ending, like if you asked me at the age of 16, what I remember from the movie, I would tell you Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah six, four, a couple banks got robbed and then Queen Latifah went out like a soldier at the end. Those are the things that I was thinking of. Um, and seeing it, 24 years later i cried i cried like a like a like a newborn mm. um because this movie we just did menace to society a few episodes back or a few mm. uh weeks or a few days back yeah. um and you want to talk bleak we thought menace was bleak this movie was the bleakest movie that i can say that I've come across in a really long time. Um, Because in Menace Society, uh, even though they were in a place where they were uh, set up to struggle because of their environment and because of um, their their economic standpoint and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. the ladies in Set It Off were set to struggle in those same ways Plus, they were put upon because they were women. Um, for example, uh, Stoney, who was played by uh, Jada Pinkett, uh, mm-hmm. in order for her to uh, get money to help out her brother, she has to degrade herself. And I'm not saying that in a way to denigrate sex workers or anything like that, but she literally got propositioned by a man who was in a position to help her out. Like if he, if she wanted his help, she had to do something that she would have never done because she didn't like the guy. He gave her the creeps from, from the jump. But, um, and it wasn't his first time coming after her body. Um, but she needed the money in order to, uh, you know what? Let me go ahead and the synopsis for this movie is real, real quick and easy. Uh, because the synopsis for IMDb movies are generally written to be, yeah, yeah. So here's the synopsis that they give. Desperation drives four inner city, inner, inner city women to bank robbery, to rob banks in Los Angeles. Robbery. And then they start mistrusting each other. That's the whole synopsis. Um, my synopsis is this. Four what? inner city, that's the whole synopsis. That's it. They start mistrusting each other? That's not what, okay. That, the synopsis that I have is this. Four black women are fucked with. They get fucked with. 
in every way, shape, and form that you can fuck with a nigga, they fuck with these four black women until they're like, you know what, fuck you right back. We about to set it off in this bitch. Pretty much. So it sounds a little bit better. I'm like, what do you mean? When did they start distrusting? Well, you? You I know got what? a question there about was, this synopsis. Wait, wait, before you ask, Stephanie, the part that they're saying where they start mistrusting each other, literally one scene in the movie where Queen Latifah and Stoney fight. And because Queen Ciao. Latifah pulled a gun on Stoney and Stoney exactly. slapped her. And then they make up like literally seven minutes later at work the next evening or whatever it may be. Did they have a scene that showed Queen Latifah what did you say what did you say transformers robots in these guys <laughs> um brandon you good you you there bruh he is frozen so while he's while he's frozen we can keep going um there's <laughs> wait, literally wait. There's there's no redeemable qualities to the things that push these women to the edge. There's no way to look at it. And even after they get pushed to the edge, Mm -hmm. there is no place in this movie where there's either not a man who is causing the issues that they have to live with Mm -hmm. or a man who is the gatekeeper to the solutions that they have to the problems that they have to live with. Right. And it's truly depressing to see it this starkly that um the life of black women is we don't value you we don't trust you uh we don't want you in our circles we are going to uh degrade you whenever possible and then you're still going to do what we want you to do um brandon what were you saying What? <laughs> Brandon. Can you hear me now? Am I good? Yes, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I had to restart my internet. It was acting crazy. I was saying that I agree with your synopsis, except I don't think they gave any background on Cleo's character. They really didn't. Like, unless you, you I really missed didn't. it and wasn't paying attention. So, like, I know, like, uh, Tashawn's character, they were fucking with her, and they were, they were going to take her son, and um, Stoney's character had to. You already talked about what some of the things that happened to her, and then I forget Vivica. Oh, Frankie. Frankie. You know they were real fucked up with her at the bank. Yeah. But hold on one second. Cleo's character came off to me. Cleo's character came off to you. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, Cleo's character came off to me like she reminded me of Old Dog from Men's Society. Nope. And and here's the reason I thought you I didn't get started. any background. I thought you were going to say that. Here's the background that they gave. And remember, this movie came out in 1996. Here's the background on Cleo. She's a lesbian. She's a, a black lesbian in the hill. Lesbian. A, a boisterous butch lesbian in 1996 in L.A. surrounded by black people, surrounded by black men who were probably just... I know that Luther was uh, misgendering her repeatedly, saying ladies and gentlemen, every time he talked to them in his uh, business. So that, that was her backstory. She and went that, through that struggle. Can I just tell you that this character of Cleo is literally why in high school I refused to get straight back cornrows because literally if you are a 
fat black woman, especially a darker skin, flat black woman, and you had straight backs, everybody called you Cleo and said you probably were a lesbian. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm like, I, I could, like at my age now, I'm like, yeah, um, that's not a terrible thing. But also, we're talking about formidable years, yeah. where it's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, that's that's literally the person that you had to think of. Like, oh, a fat black woman with straight back cornrows, you're Cleo. You set it off. And there's no other way. There's no, like, Mm-mm. I know people who literally dress up as Cleo for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's the fucked up part. Women and men mm-hmm. dressed up as Cleo for Halloween. So that was her background story. That was what she had to deal with. Um, she, as far as we could see, wanted to uh, be one of the homies. She wanted the cars. She wanted the money. She had the girls. Mm-hmm. She, she had everything, but or she had what the hood niggas had, but she didn't have it at their level. And I think that it was unspoken that her background was her really just trying to right. be one of the homies. Like she didn't, it wasn't her being a lesbian. It wasn't anything like that. She just wanted to be where they were. Like when, um, I think that was F. Gary Gray, pulled up mm-hmm. in the 64 on hydraulics was like, oh, 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 oh. She was like, I'm going to get one of them motherfuckers. I'm going to get that on them Dayton's, and I'm going I'm to be just like they are. You know who she reminds me of, and this is super random with all this WAP business? She, the, the character Cleo reminds me of how men respond to Young M.A. Mm-hmm. Because she has that kind of rap style where it's like oh, yeah. literally it's a guy, mm-hmm. um, but you know she ident- I think she's I think she I think she she is she is still identifying as female, but she's like I like women. I don't think she's labeled herself a lesbian. I think she uses a different term um, for how she responds. But yeah, it's kind of like the energy that Younger May gives off, especially when she's around other dudes, unless they're being super creepy. Like I could turn you straight, and when it's just like. Sir, please leave her alone, please. <laughs> what you're super creepy. Like I don't. That is, that's an excellent comparison. It is. That's and an excellent comparison. Way back, well, not way back. Literally a year ago, mm-hmm. um, I I did a, a episode of Single Simulcast uh, mm-hmm. with Shante, of course, and and Trill, rest in peace. Um, mm-hmm. And we were talking about. Well, I talked about set it off. Uh, and mm. the thing that I said back then was quite simply, and this is a year ago, quite simply that uh, Dr. Dre was in it and can't act. Uh, <laughs> Queen Latifah did a great job. Um, and the rest of them, uh, whatever. And this is my memory from being 16 years old. And, and just mm. things fade. Um, mm. And when you go back and you watch this movie, there are moments that really stand out to you. Uh, the thing that stood out to me first of all was when um the very beginning of the movie from the gate when dub c mm. uh and the nigga from menace and the oh, nigga from funny. don't be a menace to south central and the nigga from tales from the hood and the nigga from the players club is also when set it off um but when they run up into the bank and they rob the bank and she's begging them, please don't do this. Um, and, and you know, no, they rob the bank. Everybody gets shot except for Lawrence, the one who was played by the nigga who's been in every hood movie. And um, then um, the police officer who's played by John McGinty from Scrubs 
is uh, oh, talking to her afterwards, and this happens. Okay. Okay. Why don't uh, Why don't we take it from the top? I thought we covered everything. How well did you know the perpetrator? I've just known Darnell from around away is all. We live in the same projects. Frank, will you do me a favor? Just tell me one thing, and we'll get out of here. Sure. What's the procedure when you're being robbed? Look, sir, I'm stop, scared that I stop, did. I'm stop, 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 now! What's the procedure when you're being robbed? Mm-hmm. Pull the money clip from your right hand drawer, and then you signal with the left you hand. You signal with the left. So you know the procedure. Yes, like I said, the procedure has been told to me over a million times. Well, why is it if that procedure has been told to you, why didn't you follow the procedure? Because he had a gun. And I went for my clip, but shot her. He shot her right in front of me. I'm afraid, Miss Sutton, we're going to have to let you go. The fact that you knew the perpetrator doesn't sit well with us. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That, that's not right. I haven't done anything wrong. I can't help who I know. Mr. Zachary, just last week you gave me a promotion and now you're going to take my job away behind what this? What the next time one of your friends robs the bank? How do we know you're not in collusion? Collusion? Let me tell you something. I am here at 820 sharp every morning. I work my ass off until quitting time. Yesterday, I counted $240,000 by hand for you. That's how you should know. I mean, come on, this is just not right. I nearly got blown away in your tired-ass fucking bank. And you gonna fire me? Calm down. You can't even wait. So... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Rashani. Why did you have to start so serious, man? Oh, I can't. Oh, I'm so glad he started here because this is the beginning of the movie. But we couldn't have talked about the ridiculous bank robbery before the serious scene. I I feel like, you know, honestly, no, Brandon, you have a point. But honestly, I, I, I think this is the part of the movie that nobody ever discusses: is the role of a black woman in corporate America. And how many fucking hoops that we have to jump through and be on good, being like pins and needles. The minute something happens, it's like, oh, y'all couldn't wait to get rid of my ass. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we know? It's like, uh, you're good. You're good now. But as soon as something happens, happens, it's like, oh, no, I knew you were wrong the minute. It's like she'd been an exemplary employee up until this point. You don't. How long has she yeah. been working there? She could have literally. If she wanted to rob the bank, you don't think she could have did it before? Like, fuck out of my face. It's like, the, y'all, get on, y'all just put black women so much through corporate America. So much. The thing that got me, and, and Brandon, you're absolutely right. Like I said, when, when we started Hindsight, it was with the idea of getting them jokes out mm-hmm. on these movies. But this movie, the, when I watched it, when I put Set It Off on the list, like I said, I put Set It Off on the list before I saw Set It Off. I put Set It Off on the list thinking I'm about to come out here and I'm about to body the fuck out of Set It Off. And then really? I watched Set It Off and I was like, God damn. Like, look, the cop comes in there 
and immediately says you're a fucking suspect because mm-hmm. you didn't follow procedure after somebody gets shot in the face right next to you. You literally collapse, and now I'm going to blame you at your lowest moment. I'm going to blame you for all of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you on collusion. I'm going to put you under the spectrum. And then the white man who's standing next to him is like, you know what? He's probably right, and I'm going to fire you. In right. the lowest day of your life, the scariest moment of your life, now you lose your job. You get accused of being something that you're not. You don't get a chance to defend yourself. The other black woman that's in there doesn't even say anything for you. She's just sitting back because she's protecting her own job. The, the police mm-hmm. officer, she actually turns to her and says, you didn't even offer me a drink when I came in. Nobody tried to comfort this black woman. Instead, they immediately went to, oh, you have to be the person who is riding with the black man. You have to be the person who's doing this dirt and doing evil because you are black and a black woman in a place where you should not be and we should have never given you the opportunity to be here in the first place. Right. Even though she had just counted $245,000 by hand. I don't even want to count a thousand without getting mad. She did $245,000 even though they had just given her a promotion. She's still a black woman and they still have these cachets they were probably holding on to until the day she finally fucked up. Like, oh, that one day when I came in and said good morning and Frankie didn't say good morning back. She's an angry black woman. We need to start talking about getting rid of her and that's what played out there's shit that happens in this movie that just overrides the whole funny part of this movie which yes dub c is a terrifically horrible actor and he should not have been in this role and it shouldn't have happened dr dre shouldn't be in this movie but you know what happened f gary gray does music videos F. Gary Gray has rappers he has to keep happy and they're like yo get me on that sag that's what happened um but watching Frankie lose that job and nobody stood up for her and nobody rode for her and nobody was like, you know what? I know Frankie. And I know that she would have done whatever she could have to stop these people, regardless of the situation. But somebody got shot in the motherfucking face right next to her. Let's take a breath. Nope. You need to get fired. You, you going home. That's fucked up. And that cop is literally the cause of everything that happens in this movie. I don't think we give him enough credit as the reason why everything bad happens to people in this movie. Yeah, but see, I I didn't like that about this film because the film portrayed the cop as, like, somewhat in the middle. Like, it didn't portray the cop. Like, I'm watching this film and thinking this cop is terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. From the from the first time we see him in that scene that you just played, but the the arc that the they were trying to tell with this cop was that he just wants to stop these bank robberies, but he has a moral compass. That's what they were trying to. That's the story they were trying to tell. They didn't tell it. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. It, it that's what they were trying about. to tell because he felt he felt bad about shooting. We'll get to it. He felt bad about shooting her brother. He was really upset about that. He ain't want to joke with the other cops who was joking about that. He ain't want to shoot the the uh, he ain't want to shoot the girls at the end of the film until that fucking security card came out of nowhere and started shooting. Like the whole time he sees Stony on the bus and don't do anything. Like the whole time they're trying to present him as like this guy that's in the middle. Of, you know, this guy that's just in a bad circumstance and he fucked up, but he's trying to make up for it. And I'm just like, no, you purposely did that shit. You came at this woman who all right let's just let's just say for the sake let's just let's give you the ultimate benefit of the doubt let's say that if she would have followed the quote unquote steps or instructions that 
uh, y'all may have caught the people or less people would have got shot. Let's just give the ultimate benefit of the doubt. Um, cops don't follow instructions all the time. And then literally, like, <laughs> literally like a week later, or I don't know how long it was in the movie time, but like a week or two later, y'all cops literally did the exact same thing. Like that you're accusing this civilian as and she has no training because y'all showed up at the dude's house and did not follow the instructions and mm-hmm. end up killing an innocent person. What is the so, procedure when you bust into somebody's house? Yeah, right? yeah what's that procedure, <laughs> right? Why aren't you fired? <laughs> Why are all the other cops fired, right? So like the hypocrisy there was ridiculous. And but the film didn't write it that way. You know what I mean? The film wrote it as if he was like. A, a redeemable character. Like, I'm supposed to empathize with the situations that this cop is being put into. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. But I, I wasn't talking about Dub C. I, cause I, I, cause like I said, when I saw this film, it was, it was two folds to me. It was part of the film was fun. Like, I was literally laughing my ass off on my couch. And the other part of this film, it was making me really, really angry mm. at the shit that people had to go through. Because, like, I watched this first scene, right? And this the first scene was, like, a microcosm of that. Because the part that you just played with Frankie mm. just pissed me the fuck off. But before that, I, I was laughing for, like, five minutes. Because I'm like, these five dudes rob a bank with no mask on. No mask. They're holding people up. They're calling each other's name. One dude has a big-ass AP cut in the back of his fucking head without wearing a hat. <laughs> Where he's gonna run around a bank with with video cameras, like the video camera's not gonna pick up that AP on the back of your head, as if there's gonna be a bunch of people who look like you with an AP in the back of your head that you won't be able to be picked up or figure out who you are anytime soon. And then he when he killed that woman, he killed that white woman for no fucking reason. Like, none. She wasn't doing anything. She wasn't trying to stop him. She didn't scream. He just, like, stuck the gun out and just shot her for, like, for no reason. And that fucked everything up for, as if you're a bank robber and you're trying to run around the bank, that fucked everything up. And four of them got killed. Only one of them got away. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was funny. And then they go to that back scene, and I'm just like, this is fucked up. Like, this is so fucked up. And so the whole film for me was that. It was I was laughing at shit, and then I was like, this is sad. And then I was laughing at shit, and I was like, this makes me angry. And I was laughing at shit, and I was like, this shit still happens today. And that's even more fucked up. And that was just like the whole thing throughout the whole film to me. Mm. When I sit and think about the uh, circumstances that that cop was in, uh, my mind goes immediately back to a, a line from uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince's infamous You Saw My Blinker. It's your fault you caused all this. You're not a hero. You can't be the hero in this. You literally caused, you weaponized each and mm-hmm. every, you're fucking Donald, uh, you're, you're Donald Rumsfeld. You're Dick Cheney. You weaponized ISIS. You did this shit. You fired Frankie. You got Frankie fired, basically. You denigrated her in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, You shot Stoney. Now, look, Stoney's brother is a smart kid. 
Correct. Who's supposed to be going to college and all that kind of stuff. Stoney's mom and dad died in a car accident, I guess, when they were younger. So Stoney's been taking care of her younger brother. And right after the, the scene where Frankie gets fired, uh, they go to Stoney's brother's party uh, where they show him celebrating getting out of high school. Stoney goes and talks with him about uh, him going to UCLA, which was his dream school. And he tells her that he didn't get a scholarship even after talking with them. So he's not able to afford going to college. This is why Stoney ends up sleeping with that lecherous old man who's offering her a job in exchange for her body. And he literally tells her, if you want this job, you got to do me a favor and you know what that is. Um, Stoney, uh, oh God, Stoney, I don't even know what to call it because it's not sex, it's not anything. Stoney is held hostage for her body, and so she pays the ransom uh, with her body and yes. gets the money to pay for her brother to go to college. Um, first of all, for those of y'all who know, UCLA is a lot of fucking money. Uh, and if you don't have a scholarship, UCLA is a lot of fucking money. And I refuse to believe that that man gave her enough money to pay for the entirety of his first year at UCLA. Maybe the first payment, but it wasn't nothing more than that. The nigga probably gave her said. like $1,500 and was like, be happy with that and then come back and see me if you need more. Because he, she wanted an advance on her paycheck. So... He's going to give her a job, but he's going to hold it over her head for the rest of her days. But guess what? It doesn't matter. She doesn't even need the job anymore because her brother was fucking lying about going to UCLA. He never wanted to give her a job in the first place. No, 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 he didn't. But her brother <laughs> lied about going to UCLA. If her brother hadn't lied about getting accepted into UCLA, she never would have degraded herself no, to this have. point. So at the point where her brother was like, oh, I lied about the whole thing, but why are you tripping? Why are you tripping? Why are you, what? I didn't even do nothing. He doesn't know what she had to do in order to get that money that he no longer needs. Um... After that, he storms out. He goes over to the bank robber's house where the bank robber is showing him the AP in his uh, in the back of his head. Her brother, who's young and really stupid, really stupid. Like, he was my age when this movie came out. <coughs> so 16, 17 when the movie came out. He sees the cut in the back of his head, and he's like, ooh, I want one of them. And the girl who d who's doing the haircutting is like, you ain't even from them projects. You ain't from the projects. You ain't, you ain't from that hood. Why do you want it? And the dude is like, shut up, bitch, and get it done. This is how black women get talked to. Like, y'all got to see what I see in this motherfucking movie. This is literally a documentary of how black women have been treated from the 90s till now. You are not allowed to have an opinion that supersedes a black man's opinion. You better bow down, do what I say, and give me what I want, or else you will never get forward in this world. And that's why I can't see this movie as funny, because it's too fucking sad. It is so sad that it is literally like, ooh, why am I watching this? And for you those know... of... Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And no, we brought you on here because your opinion is valued and it's going to be a fireball. So go ahead. Let me tell y'all something. This is why I really want all of you nignogs that got something to say about WAP to literally shut the entire fuck up and Come get on the express bus directly to hell. 
because what you what a lot of people don't realize is that um y'all are hating on sex workers but you know come to find out y'all's uncles jimmy's and uncle earl's and uncle Ernest's, they seem to never have no money unless you've given them some pussy all mm-hmm. of a sudden they got all the money wait wait let me just head to the head to the bank because literally that is what we're telling women we've been telling women this for god i'm almost 40 so damn near 40 <laughs> longer than 40 years Literally, the only thing that you can offer a man is pussy, and that's literally the only thing that he's going to take from you. So if any man is even close to nice to you, he just wants some pussy. That's the only reason why he's actually nice to you. And that is what we tell women. It's like, I mean, you know, if that's all you can do. I mean, give him some pussy and, you know, he'll get what, you can get whatever you want. And now there are dudes who are literally doing you know, women who are doing the things that men have been saying for, I don't know, centuries. Y'all are mad that we're just hit to the game now. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, we're just like, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're going to pay me, nigga. You want this pussy, you're going to pay me. And that's like, wait a minute. No, they're not mad about oh. that. They mad that it's the woman's choice that they're doing that. And that's they, what that I'm they're saying. Making the deci- yeah, they're, they're make- yeah, that's yeah, that's what you're saying. That they're yeah. making that Because deci- to me, like, not to get sidetracked, but like, I saw the way dudes reacted to tip drill, and then I saw the way dudes reacted mm-hmm. to this. And you would mm-hmm. think, the re- you would think in a vacuum, the reaction would be the same. You would mm-hmm. think they would be like, oh, it's a video with a bunch of women shaking ass that I think that I find attractive. Good. But that ain't, that's not what happened because Brandon. Tip Drill was not about women's agency. Tip Drill was about men and the male gaze. Him putting a this credit wasn't. card out down some woman's ass. And you know what's really funny? I don't know. Do you guys remember when after this video came out on BT Uncut? Because, baby, it wasn't played on regular television. It had to be at 2 o'clock in the morning no, on BT Uncut. Um, remember, Nelly was supposed to go um, perform at an HBCU. It was I believe it was was Spellman, and they were like, "Uh, uh, he ain't coming here." And you watch dudes go, "Y'all overreacting." What y'all doing? It was actually a a young lady who lived around the corner from me. She went to church with me. Mm -hmm. uh, They were like, "No, we don't want him here." And And there were dudes going, "Why y'all overreacting? It's just Mm -hmm. a video. It's just music. Blah blah blah." These same dudes are going. How can I raise my daughter in this environment? I'm like, nigga, please. Y'all still argue about $40 dates. Shut the fuck up. So uh, after he tells uh, the young lady who's cutting hair to shut the fuck up, mm. um, they leave, he leaves out uh, 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 Lorenz, the, the bank robber, uh, gives uh, her little brother Stevie, St- Stevie, I think yeah, Stevie. yeah, Stevie yeah. and Stoney. Uh, Lorenz gives Stevie a bottle of champagne. Mm-hmm. Why he gives him a bottle of champagne to celebrate school. the graduation of high school? I don't know. Like don't most know. niggas will give him cars or cards or no weed. Money. You ain't give him no. You ain't give him no weed. weed. Like, I just want to know. I want to know how this nigga grew up, quote unquote, in the projects, like Stoney said, in the hood, and don't know that you don't rep other hoods with your clothing or your hairstyles or your signs (laughs) or whatever. Because honestly, honestly, and let's be real about this, you got a gang of niggas who at that age live in an environment where it's all crips and they're like, I want to be a blood because Tupac was a blood. 
Mm-hmm. You got people who live in a blood neighborhood and they're like, but I feel like I'm a crip because my friends at school are crips. And then you got white kids who grew up in like Beverly Hills and hop in a Mercedes Benz and drive out to uh, Compton to help their gangbanger friends do drive-bys. And then when they all go to court, they tell them, well, I didn't know that this was wrong and they get off for it. I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to throw that last part in there. Anyway. Oh yeah. I, I heard that story. I want to kick him right in his teeth. I'm like, you. Bottom line is this. Uh, Stevie is given a bottle of champagne for reasons we still don't know, because, nigga, what? And he walks out of uh, Lorenz's house with the bottle of champagne. Um, the cops are there because they see the AP in the back of Lorenz's head, and they pretty much trace him down to, okay, this is the last living nigga. We know where he lives at. Let's go get this motherfucking money back. Right. Like, literally, this nigga was free for, like, 22 minutes before the cops are like, yo, Let's go to his house and then let's go to In and Out Burger. And so they pulled up on his house right at the mm-hmm. same time Stevie's coming out. Uh, same fucking cop who gets Frankie fired is the mm-hmm. same fucking cop who same does cop. this, even though, bing, even though, bing, bank robberies are a federal crime. That's true. This should have been handled by state police. not there. Yeah. So when, um, Stevie pulls when Stevie walks out, the cop is right there. The cop is like, You're there, man, there, there. And Stevie's like, I didn't do shit. And they're like, Get on the ground. And he's getting down, and they see the champagne bottle in his hand, and they think it's a shotgun. I don't know. Champagne bottles are pretty fucking huge. So, in order to mistake a champagne bottle as anything else, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, anyways, they shoot Stevie um with you know their guns and he dies and then stony runs up after he's dead and she's cradling her brother she's running through the yellow tape and everything and she's cradling her brother mm-hmm. and they're like the cop is like wait this was this was so special the cop runs up and oh. is like i'm so sorry i'm so so sorry god damn it i wish that hadn't happened I feel horrible. Stoney tries to attack him. Uh, Cleo, TT, and Frankie pull her back. The lady cop, I don't think we ever get her name, but the no, lady she cop, she Rock's say shit. wife. Oh, no, Rock's it's wife Waller. Tells her, it's Waller. Wall, Waller, Waller tells him, look, her brother was an excellent student, was on his way to UCLA. He then turned around. Dude cop then turns around and tells commander cop, yo, did you see who was with the sister who just, whose brother just died? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was Frankie from the bank, the one that I got fired earlier. Uh-huh. This is just weird, right? This is just weird. We don't say anything of that. I just shot one person and got another person fired in one day of work. No, this it's is like, just man. weird. This is all coming together. <laughs> I told you they try to they they was they were that was that was the one thing of like film wise the writing of the film like speaking of that film like in that context that I hate it because because mm-hmm. if you remember if you were paying attention in this scene he they shot it so that that particular detective was the one like telling people not to shoot mm-hmm. and then the, and then somebody else is like he got a gun and then they shot him and he was all mad about it. And then they, and then they tried to write him as, oh he, 
you know, he's apologizing. To yeah, Stoney. yeah. He's got but the whole time it was his shoot. fucking fault. And he's like, God damn it, Bob. Who shot that? Mm-hmm. So you they did. tried to present they tried to write it as if he's someone that you can like relate to in some way. And I'm just like, I don't relate to this dude at all. At all. Like, not at, at all. all. <laughs> so not at all. Like this was terrible. So that activates Stoney. Stoney is, you know, that's all she was living for was for her little brother. Sending him mm-hmm. off to college like she's been taking care of him. Because she was the holdout. She's like, yep. nope, not doing it, not doing it. And they had already and talked then, about rap. And then you got Tashan. Before this. Cleo mm-hmm. brought that up. And then you got Tashan, a.k.a. Titi, who is literally so gentle in this movie and so loving in this mm-hmm. movie that I thought they might have cast her as somebody they wanted to low-key say had mental issues like like i don't know like she was so childlike in this movie they were they were low-key trying to do that and it was weird the way they were doing it it's like they didn't want to come out and say it but it's kind of like i'm glad in this movie but i'm also glad that she didn't play that up and and she wasn't problematic and you know kind of like um homegirl and the other sister when she was playing an actually mentally disabled person, and she is a not a yeah. mentally disabled person. So I'm glad it's kind of like it was kind of unspoken, but it was kind of like, mm, is she? Hmm, okay. So they go to work. Um, TT uh, finds out prior to them going to work that her babysitter, her, her money, Ain't right. Luther done cut her, is no longer paying her under the table like he promised her. Because mm-hmm. a nigga's promise, let's be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we 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 ebb and flow depending on where the soul <laughs> takes us. Um mm. but uh he stops paying her under the table, so tax get taken out of her check so she can no longer afford uh babysitting for her son. So she brings her son with them to work. They work as janitors uh, in a huge office building. Honestly they only work in one office building. I don't know if that's how janitorial services work. I've never been a janitor, but it seems like Luther's only got a contract with one building. Um, or maybe they're just assigned to the building. Who fucking knows? I don't know. It could be that way. I don't fucking know. If you run a janitorial company, hit me up. I might pay attention. Honestly, I don't fucking know. It's not a big deal. Thing <laughs> is, they sit the baby down. The baby boy is like three years old, two years old. They set him down, and they set him down in a place where they could see him, but then they get back to work, and somebody has left a, a container of cleaning uh, materials on the ground where he can get to it. Now, here's mm-hmm. the one thing that I will say in this situation. I was like, eh, is Baby sees Windex or something that's in a spray bottle. Mm-hmm. Baby is implied to have unscrewed said bottle yes. to drink said fluid that's inside of the bottle. Yes. I don't know if y'all know babies the way I know babies, but <laughs> my kids weren't unscrewing shit. That baby couldn't even like, walk. Like, lang, lang, and if they couldn't do it, they throw the damn bottle and go. That find baby couldn't else even walk. With. He crawled out the room. He couldn't walk, so he wasn't even walking age. But he could unscrew that. <laughs> like that's unscrew. a that's a two twist. That's a top. Hold the top and hold the bottom twist. I thing. mean, a lot of the stuff is childproof. I noticed that the like late nineties. Or you know what? Honestly, to to be fair to this movie, 
the nigga might have just stuck the the sprayer in his mouth and sprayed into his mouth, or he might have shot that himself honestly, in the eye. But that honestly would have made more sense. Yeah, instead of him unscrewing. They never actually imply what happens. They just show him picking it up. He might have shot himself in the eye, something like that. Yeah. But they hear him screaming. They take him to the hospital. Doctors no, comes he, out. Huh? They said he drank it because in the hospital. They said he drunk it because in the hospital they said he was severely poisoned. Okay. And so you wouldn't be severely poisoned by spraying yourself in the face. So oh, okay. the doctor's like, yo, he's unstable. He's he's going to be okay, blah, blah, blah. TT is like, doesn't even get a chance to say thank God before the doctor is like, by the way, CPS is here. Yeah, we saved your son. He's all good. We let you go and look at him and go talk to him. But CPS is right here behind me. And so is that real? Like I know, I mean, I know CPS takes can do things like that. But is it does it work like that? I think it depends on the state. But the thing about it is, it can be that fast. It depends on what really? it is. Cause they could come literally the same day. They mm-hmm. could come the next day. Because it depends. Like, and whew. honestly. It, it, they probably took a long time to get him stabilized and everything. They told CPS. The doctors called CPS. Mm-hmm. So they, they probably did like, that shit because she was black. Because these white kids be drinking shit all the time and going to the hospital or doing fucked up shit. Grabbing they like grabbing their daddy's guns and shit that they don't so, lock up in lockers yeah. and. Stuff. So I will say this. Um, and then, and then I'm dating myself because you know I am born in the '80s. But also another thing about CPS is that the emergency room. If your child comes to the emergency room after a certain amount of times, they do alert CPS. Yes. Oh. They'll be like, "Oh, you've been here in the emergency room like three times this this month." Mm-hmm. And then they'll want to like that. one. They'll sequester the kid. Um, this is from personal experience, not me, but someone in my family. Um, they will take the kid and ask the kid questions like, hey, what happened to you today? And he was very honest, like, oh, I fell. Oh, I fell. I threw myself here. I did this. And it was like, uh, uh, but still, it's, yeah, CPS. Because right. one, they have them on speed dial. And also, hospitals have social workers. Mm-hmm. As they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I and, get that part. And so... CPS comes and talks to TT and they're like, you know, you done fucked up, don't you? <laughs> and she's like, I ain't even do nothing. And her friends are like, she ain't even do nothing. And CPS is like, you didn't hear what I said. Let me say it again. You know, you, you know, you done fucked up. Well, where was the babysitter? Well, I can't afford babysitting. Well, that's bad for you. We're going to see you in like 60 days in court. I need to see my baby. I'm going to die without my baby. I need to see my baby. Fuck you, CPS, court, deuces. Check out all the episodes of uh, 227 and, and, and Amen. And, and, and she was also in, I think, fucking, I don't know. Wayne's Brothers. Wayne's Brothers? Okay, cool. Um, she leaves. You just weaponized TT. Now you got three motherfuckers who was ready to set it off at a, at a moment's notice. And Cleo's always been trying to set it off. Yes, she, she is. Ready. And so these four women, because Cleo, Cleo wasn't born ready. Cleo was born broke. Let's be honest. And when yeah. Cleo heard that, that uh, Lorenz got $20,000 off that job, that's when she was like, we need to rob a bank. 
It wasn't like yeah. she was born ready. She was like, I see the money. I need that. What's up, Stephanie? So, um, did you mention that they all were actually housekeepers as well, and they worked for that dude who wanted pussy from Sony? No, no, no. They worked for Luther. No, they worked for Luther. Who was, was misgendering. Oh. He was one who was yeah. misgendering Cleo by that saying ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's not the one that she uh, had. No, the uh, one that, that the one who she car ended up having, he was a car dealership. Oh, yeah. and so Damn. she was getting a second job in order to make sure her brother could go to his fake me out ass college. Oh right, that was a different toxic nigga. Stephanie. Damn, man, can't keep them niggas straight, can you? Can't keep, really can't. can't. Keep count of them. We just come out the woodworks like, gotcha, nigga. <laughs> so here's the thing, Anna Marie's Anna Marie's uh, character, the social worker. She was another character that they tried to that they wrote weirdly because if you remember the next time we saw her when she was talking to TT, she was all nice to her and she was like, "Yeah, things are gonna go great." And she's like, "I'm not supposed to let you see your child early, but here you go, you can go see her." And like she was being super nice, but then the first time you see her, it was like she was being overly like mean to her in the hospital, given that situation. It's like I didn't know what mm. to think of of that character either. Oh. Right. I was written. Because mm. yeah. she was she was being because I don't know because I don't know how that works. So I was just I took a step back. I was just like, I don't it's that seemed egregious to me if that was like because we have no background if the if the little kid's been in the hospital many times. So it seemed like a plausible accident to me. Mm-hmm. And that it didn't require that level of re, uh reaction. But it, then again, I, you know, I don't know how the social work World and work. you don't know just, what else may have happened in TT's life or something like that or in the baby's right. life. Because like like we said, they really did make it seem like TT had mental issues. She seemed, so they tried to make her seem like she's delayed. Yes. So they would have, honestly, back in 1996, they would have been like, you're not fit to be a mom to her in, or to him anyway because of your mental delays mm-hmm. um do you remember that movie that i am sam where uh sean penn played an autistic guy and they wanted to take his daughter Again, away problematic as hell but oh yes very much so but this is the mindset that they had in 1996 mm-hmm. towards people and this is something that didn't really age well thank god it got better as far as the representation of folks with mental health and mental issues in movies um, but we don't know what may have already happened to TT's son for them to be like, you know what? She's got these issues already. She's childlike. We need to take him away for his own safety. Yeah, but that was is- my point. Then we, the next time we saw her, she was the opposite. She was like, everything's going to be great. You're going to get your son back. I'll even let you see him early when I'm not supposed to. I'll let you hold him. And I was just like, those things clashed to me, mm-hmm. like the way that they were written. Well, the next time the, they saw her, presumably, was after they had robbed the first bank. It and was. so TT was able to get money to her. Or yeah, was money do don't change if you think somebody has a mental uh, this, issue, it, uh, mental health issue. It does not, but money changes. In this, this movie, written by a black man, <laughs> Or, or directed by a black man, um, money changes everything. Yes, according money, to F. Gary Gray, a nigga. Money, money changes. Money fixes all woes. Yes, 
a nigga with money said, "Man, y'all just need to rob the bank." I'm like, <laughs> literally, money is the key. She ain't had to rob no bank. Woes. Excuse me, yeah. she ain't had to rob no bank to um chop down Blair Underwood's cakes. Okay, she could have just been. Oh, uh, we didn't get to more. the magical Negro Ooh. Blair Underwood. Mm. So yes, let's get to Chocolate Thunder. So. <laughs> They go and they finally convince everybody to set up to, to rob a bank. And the way that they know about robbing banks is because Frankie works in a bank. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know how that actually works as far well, as she knows the tell. procedures and all she, that stuff. But she couldn't tell the cop. Um, <laughs> well, but also, could, but. All, all banks are not the same. Exactly. So super. Yes. That's what it's kind of like you yes. go. Okay, I work at just one bank. So I work at Bank of America, but you don't know what's going to happen. Hold on, hold on, Stephanie. Stephanie, uh, (laughs) my beloved wife, Nisha, and I, we routinely go to grocery stores together. (laughs) As a frequent grocery store shopper, I am able to walk into any grocery store and know exactly where something's located at, right? Because all (laughs) grocery stores are just alike. Excuse me, all damn the damn credit card machines don't even use the same procedure. Excuse me, what's the what's the button for credit? Yellow. What's the button for credit here? Green. What's the all Walmart's ain't even the same. God damn it. Excuse me, Walgreens is yellow. Oh my god damn it, I'm in Walgreens. Shit, hit yellow. That's what was funny about this. And it's not red. It's like the fuck is going. They case they case the bank, which was called Downtown Federal, by the way. That was never the bank. Downtown Federal. They they case that bank. Which is the one uh, Blair Underwood is working at, which we'll get to in a second. But mm-hmm. then they don't even rob that bank first. That's the last bank they robbed. <laughs> they robbed three banks before they robbed that one. That and and they even made a point in the film to say we didn't case out this bank. And then yes. I don't know who said it, but somebody else was like, "They all the same. We but, can just go, let's just go do it." <laughs> which is something that was actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie was their first bank robbery, and the reason why was their uncertainty in that robbery. Like, if you actually listen to it, the way that they went about it in this bank robbery was everybody was on edge as far as nerves. <laughs> Uh, first of all, T.T. left. 
<laughs> TT was like, I'm not built for this. We're not ready. And she left. Um, Jada Pinkett was like, we're not ready. Uh, uh, Stoney was like, we're not ready. Frankie was like, you want me to prove we're ready? And she just went in there to set it off. Um, Frankie took control. Meanwhile, as you heard, Stoney in the background was just repeating herself over and over again because she didn't really know what to do in the midst of a bank robbery. Okay, okay, okay. Lay down, lay down, lay down, lay down. Don't move, okay, don't move. Okay, okay, okay. You guys, the door, hey, don't don't move. You in the back, hey, hey. I like the contrast that they did between the first bank robbery with all men and then the bank robbery with all women. Like the sound was different. There was more upbeat. Like it was like an Ocean's Eleven type set, like soundtrack behind, like something they would play when they're doing the heist. Because that bank first robbery. bank, that first bank robbery, the first bank robbery that the ladies did was honestly comedy. It was concluding yeah. in the fact that they made sure to say that the twenty thousand that they stole, the the twenty thousand, I think they got. There's twenty thousand. They said the bank said that they lost ninety thousand. And there's a scene where they say the the news reports that ninety thousand was stolen from this bank, and yeah. TT is like ninety thousand, and uh, Frankie and Cleo look at each other and they say insurance fraud, like it's all supposed to be a joke. Mm-hmm. That first one is like uh, we didn't think these ladies could pull it off, but wow. they did. Yeah, it, but it was also contrast with like how the women, even the the women weren't prepared, quote unquote, to go rob, rob the bank, but they were way more calm than them dudes were in that first scene. The dudes ran up in there angry, shouted women for no reason, got into a whole shootout for nothing, had a bunch of people get killed, and only one dude made it out with a little bit of money. In this one, the women went in there. They were, they were, I mean, they were being, they were robbing a bank, but they ain't shoot nobody. They ain't pistol whip nobody. They took their money, and it was like a joyfulness. Like they got in the car, and it was like, yeah, we did that shit. And I thought that uh, I actually liked uh, how they shot that and how they did that scene because it kind of showed the contrast and the differences between the two groups of people. We mm-hmm. um, missed this. Uh, I, well, at least I missed it when I first watched it. But watching it again, that first bank robbery was once they got through it and they got past it. Frankie, that was like her tipping point. And um, from that point forward, she was like all business about this, what we're doing with our life. And it actually, when TT showed back up in the in the garage where they were hiding out at, uh, which was actually Cleo's garage, so they were literally hiding out in somebody's house. Um, but when she showed back up uh, while they were Cleo. counting the money. Mwah. And T.T. T.T.? <laughs> she ain't getting a cut. Look, Frank, I ain't for your shit tonight, all right? T.T. needs it more than any of us. Look, she didn't do anything. She walked out. Who the fuck cares? She was there. No, fuck that. She didn't do nothing, so she ain't getting nothing. Forget it. Frank, oh, I don't want your money. I'm so tripping. Now, if you want to kick my ass, then come on, let's just get it over with, because I am sick of your shit. I need that money. It ain't you, Amanda. 
sorry I was tripping. You are so special, Frankie. Stephanie? I am so triggered right now. Because, who Chile? I just... I'm sorry. How should I put this? Kimberly Elise's character is better than me because I swear I'd have punched Vivica Fox right in her fucking face and I mean it. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck do you think you are, bitch? You are like three seconds away from corporate. Now you want to get all hard. You're not Cleo, bitch. Fuck you. Give me my fucking cut before I snitch on all your asses. I vote that. He's like, please spare me. I'm like, why? why was that even necessary? And also, that is such a nigga shit. Thing to do. That's what I said. What women That's would do? They would have just given a fucking money. What is wrong with you, F. Gary Gray? You didn't have a. And you don't have a thought pool. You can workshop this idea. Oh that scene was so fucking unnecessary. It's like women don't think like that. Everybody in you there because we know it's like, hey, if we cut her out, she could dime us out and we could go to jail. Like, why would we do that? And also, she's our friend, and we know she's a single mama. Like. Fuck you, that's Gary. That's literally okay? what I wrote. Fuck you, Gary. That's literally what I wrote down. That's, that's what you and Ray Ray would have did. It's like, no, that's not what women would have did. And also, we would have been nicer to her. Like, we understand, hello, you know, bank robber is just not something you do all the time. So it's the first time and it's going to be a little bit herky-jerky, but oh, of course not. No, because F. Gary Gray wrote this. So here she go. Um, F. Gary Gray wrote this, so yeah, we gotta do this hard like niggas do. This is not niggas, this is for women, so you need to do better. See, this is why Issa wanna redo this movie. This is why, because she knows she would write this totally different, and now I'm team Issa on rewrite, fucking set it off. Fuck this, Issa, get it But you see, he wanted to, but he what he wanted to do in this scene that he didn't do effectively is mm-hmm. he was trying to show that, like, frankly, he was having, like, um, I don't want to say PTSD, but it's like she was having an emotional response to what happened to her, right? So he, he was trying to write it where it's like when a bunch of bad shit happened to you and then you take it out on your friends or your family or your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to he was trying to say like frankly went through a bunch of shit and now she finally got a win and her friend backed out on it. She, she didn't have the she didn't have the temerity or whatever to go through with it. And so she had this emotional reaction. And then when she thought about it for a second, she was like, oh, I'm not really even mad at you. My bad. And I'm sorry. And I, yeah, that's what he was trying to do. But I'm like you, Steph. I've watched that scene. I was like, yeah, I don't, see women, I don't see women kid, acting like that. Right. As a kid, you like miss that. As an adult, I'm like, who the hell? What? Girl, we all, we all are novices at this shit. What? And the, the fact that she's had to tell you, um, she needs this more than anybody. You know who also knows that? Frankie. Mm-hmm. And that's like, the key. That. That's oh. the key too, Steph. I'm glad you brought that up about them being <sighs> novices. Because like to me, even with men, like if uh, if like a bunch of hard dudes, like the gangbangers went and did some shit like that, I could see the cop being like, oh, this nigga, this nigga jumped out. He ain't getting no fucking cut. But like, mm-hmm. if a bunch of regular dudes who just who are like legit friends 
did that shit and like yeah. one of the friends was going through some shit. I don't even think regular dudes would act like that. Like to me, he wrote that as if it was like gangbangers who are like real hardcore niggas like, yo, you ain't really about this life. You ain't getting shit, that type of shit. And I was like, they wouldn't act like that. That was so weird to me. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. Um, yeah, because I'm like, did they do this in posse? Did they have somebody who had cold feet? Did they cut him out? No. No, but the women is like, oh, now i do want to point out the one thing that i did like y'all said building on what y'all just said one thing that i did find consistently ridiculous in this movie wasn't just the fact that they would fight at the drop of a hat over Mm -hmm. silly things Mm -hmm. um it was the fact that you were they were expected to make up. Like you wrote that into the film that they were able to talk something out and say, you know, I love you. We've been worse. We've been through worse than this girl. It shouldn't be this way, girl. Cause really fuck you, Frankie. Mm-hmm. Fuck you till you fall to pieces. Fuck you for saying that shit. You know what I've been through. You're literally doing this to me. And then you're, mm, you're trying to fuck with my mental by saying, no, it's not you. It's not you. Then why the fuck you say that? Right. It's like, it can't be both. It can't be, I'm mad at you for not pulling your weight, but also, I'm just going through shit right now. Um, which which one is it, bitch? Exactly. This, Give me this... my fucking money. Let me alone. Go get a therapist. That is a real reason. I mean, I think the, I think how it was written was poorly. And that's because of who wrote the movie. But I think what they were trying to do is a real reaction. Because I do think people do react towards their friends and family members hostile when things in their life are going bad and that they do and it's one of those things where you mean it but you don't mean it if that makes sense like you say some shit that you actually mean but you probably wouldn't have said it if the other shit wasn't going on like i don't think frankie would have said that if the other shit wouldn't have went on but she absolutely meant she absolutely meant it that she was mad that she ain't show up she ain't help out and she ran away so it was one of those things, but I think I don't think F. Gary Gray had the ability. He doesn't have the talent to write something like that well. So it came mm-hmm. off exactly like Stephanie said. Mm-hmm. Just what? Just what? Like, like what women do you know? Do you have any friends? Um, and if he said Queen Latifah, I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you had literally asked her, she'd be like, I don't think this is the way we should go. But no, whatever. So. They pull off the first robbery. Uh, common sense in every robbery movie that I've oh. seen. Go ahead. Was that before? I was talking Rashani. about so well common. Common. I'm like, common in this movie? Shit. What the fuck? Rashani, was that before or after they met up with Dr. Jerry? That was after because when they plotted out the whole thing, they went and saw Dr. Dre. Mm. And that's what I was saying earlier. Dr. Dre was literally the gatekeeper to getting the guns that they needed in order to do this bank oh, yeah, robbery. Right. And so <laughs> they had to tell him, we will pay you back in interest if you give us these guns that you have, because we don't have guns because we're women. If you let us borrow some guns so we can go and rob this bank. Men are at the top of every totem pole that these women are trying to climb up. And they're all like, why should I trust you with it? Oh, because you ain't doing shit with it and you know we gonna be good for it. We've known you for years. Why the fuck am I begging you, dog? You know we about to set this shit off. But um, they, fuck. 
See, Brandon, now you don't have me lose my train of thought. So <laughs> they robbed that first bank, and common sense in every heist movie that I've seen is that you sit quietly on the money for a little while. You don't go out and you start flossing immediately. Not in this movie. Cleo immediately goes out and gets her 6'4", not only repainted uh, blue, but she also gets the Dayton's put on it. Um, she gets her, her girl who has the easiest role in any movie ever because she's a mute. I don't know if she's a mute, but she don't talk to nobody but Cleo, and all she do is whisper and giggle. Like, she got paid for that role, y'all. That was a real thing. She wasn't an extra. Like, she she had a part in this movie. Um, Ursula was her name. Ursula. Mm. Yes, she looked like an Ursula. God, okay. she was... Mm. You poor, unfortunate souls. What? She also, made. nobody in this film had a last name, by the way. Nobody. Maybe just the... <laughs> uh, Frankie did. No, no, Stoney did because the cop said what her name was. Stoney or the cop said what her name was in the uh, when he was talking to him about one point. At one point, he said what their names were, um, and then he called her by name, her full name, when they were in the oh, third yeah. bank robbery. Yeah. Um, okay. But so Cleo goes out and spends money that didn't need to be spent. She's broke. She's like, fuck it. We're going to rob another bank. <laughs> Everybody else is like, nah, you tripping. We ain't robbing no banks right now. Frankie's like, we could set it off. It was pretty easy. Stoney's like, we ain't going to do that. Cleo pulls a gun on Stoney. Stoney's like, get that motherfucking gun out my goddamn face before I slap like the shit G. out of you. And so uh, Cleo puts the gun down and Stoney slaps the shit out of her anyway for putting the gun in her motherfucking face. And then she storms out. Literally, it was literally like ten minutes later in movie form. Cleo and 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 Stoney are friends again. Mm-hmm. They well, you skip some movie. stuff. You skip some stuff. What I skip? Okay. So the next, you mean the the? See, that's God telling y'all didn't skip shit. Next. A Cleo um, and Titi, and she was talking about her fucking wrong, and she didn't deserve that shit. Mm. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. It's like a whole nother day that passed. That's what happened. Brandon, but it was in movie in the in the time in the movie they didn't even give it time to marinate. That's what I'm saying. They literally. Oh, you talking about that? Yes, within the span of ten minutes, they have them making back up. There's no gravitas to them not being friends. There's also, one scene in between it. Y'all, they they literally again handled this like two niggas. Mm-hmm. And like that's not how women would handle this again i am now i don't know how i got here i'm now on team isa remake he said it all <laughs> it's like no no don't leave set it off I'm like yeah can we, let, can we let stephanie talk because I, I wanted to hear ever since she told me she was coming on can you let stephanie because we skipped a little bit past him can you let stephanie talk no about no we're, we're we gonna get to this bit. in a second so can we skip past in, him? in the midst of in the midst don't of this, do that no, don't do that no i, I got this I got this. Mm. Trust, trust the process. In the midst of them casing joints, Mm. the first place they go to 
is the it's bank the candy that, factory. that Keith works at. <laughs> and Keith sings Stoney, walks up to the her. The candy factory. And Come he's on. like, yo, let me help you out in whatever way I can. Keith that is... <laughs> Keith is different than all the other men that Stoney have ever known in her life, apparently, because he he's educated and he has his own house. And so Keith is like... <laughs> Keith is like, why are you still talking? Don't do this. Leave him alone. <laughs> no, because we got to do this. Keith mansplains everything to Stoney. No, can I, can I talk about my baby? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead can and get your third, him? Get your third you moment out. I've been okay. waiting on this the whole time. Hold on. Let me tell y'all something. All right, you go ahead. Jada is, a.k.a. Stoney, is casing banks, and she comes to the candy factory because Blair Underwood is here. And I'm not exactly sure how it's possible for this man to be this fine all the time, but he is. And also, you had a man who has a degree, so I guess part of his degree is learning how to talk to people, because apparently that is so um, alien to her that a man would actually talk to her, even though he was talking somewhat down to her, trying to explain to her how uh, getting a bank account would work or getting a loan would work. Um, but he still was interested in her because, well, she's still pretty. And, however, the, the dynamic of watching the men around her, you go from, <laughs> so you got the, the nasty old man who can only do something for her if you know she gives him pussy, and then she got Luther, and then there is this man who seems to probably use baby wipes when he wipes his ass after he shits um and probably washes his hand and he doesn't have dirt on his fingernails he's actually being nice to her and she's like oh my god how do i handle this like who he's what? using whole sentences and not saying word he's a oh, magical that's negro crazy that's crazy but i will give it to f gary gray this is the only one of the many things out i'm glad that he didn't pick some light-skinned dude but this mm -hmm. also was 1996, so that may be the reason, but part of me feels like that's not the reason. Blair Underwood is a sexy motherfucker. Ugh. And they put him into a role where his job was literally to be smart and sexy. <laughs> and yes. talk to her about... Don't let him do anything else, baby. And talk to her about what her options in life are. I want to show you the other side of the street. I want to show you the other way things can be. I want to pick you up in a limo and then take you to get a dress because the outfit you got on is not popping. <laughs> I want to Richard Gear you in Pretty Woman. I want to remake you. I want you to be what my image of you is. And then I want you to believe in that image because you came up in such a hard life, Stoney, and nobody's ever loved you the way that I can love you, Stoney. Let me be your hero, Stoney. Let me take you out of this world. Another chop man. Chop them cakes down, Stoney. He looked like he give good mouth. And that's the other thing. That's what happens when you deal with an educated nigga that don't got dirt on his fingernails. He know how to give good mouth. Hey, hey, hey. All you got to do is uh, just, you know, just get some saliva in your mouth and really attach it. Like, if you got a big <laughs> no. enough mouth, you can no. put it on both. No. Nope. You can get, you you need, can get all you three of them. Goddamn, nope. You need a damn degree because some of you hood niggas don't know how to give good mouth because, mm -hmm. one, y'all don't know. Y'all don't wipe your asses. Y'all got swamp. You're saying, I'm, I'm going to say not all men because yes, a nigga like me, a nigga like me, my mouth is a yes, juicy have, juice. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Do you have a degree? I have a wife. No, no, no. no. Degree. I have a degree in. 
<laughs> if you go to college, nigga, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went then to CCC. shut the hell up. We not I, talking I, to you. I went, I went to CCC. I went to Cunninglingus Community College, so. Shut up. Um. Shut up. <laughs> now, look. I saw Magical Negro. I, hey, hold on. I got my I got my PhD in WAP. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have tenure in that, so. Go ahead, Brandon. I saw this Magical Negro differently than you did, Rashani, which is funny mm-hmm. because to me, they wrote him as like, this is nigga. the perfect nigga in the world. Cause he really was. Because the, the whole time, like, he, because he even said this, because Stoney was like, oh, I don't know about this place, or I'm not used to stuff like this. And she was like, he was like, that's okay. And she was like, I don't belong in a place like this. I need to change. And he was like, I like you as you are. You don't got to change for me. You don't got to change your hair. You don't got to change how you talk. Like, you don't got to do any of that shit for me. And I was like, so this nigga, he got a six-figure job. He's got the biggest studio I've ever seen in my life, right? He got a big-ass, like, 2,500-square-foot house with one room. It's a one big-ass room because the bed is, as soon as you walk through the fucking door, to the right. So he's got a big-ass studio. He's got fly-ass clothes for the 90s. She even says to him, oh, what, did you go to Harvard? And he was like, uh, actually, yeah, actually, I went I to did. Harvard. Yes, yes. So, he, went, so he, go, he goes to Harvard. So he's a Harvard-educated nigga with six figures in 1996 with a big-ass crib in L.A. who used to live in New York, who's from D.C., right? So he's from D.C., he lived in New York, now he lives in L.A. Those are the only three places where black people live in 1996, by the way. Except um, for Atlanta. If he had said, I also in did Atlanta. an internship yes. in Atlanta <laughs> in a bank. And then on top of that, on top of that, he doesn't want to change her. He likes her as she is. Mm-hmm. He encourages her to be better. He uh, He's talking about how he wants her to be free, and I don't want to fast forward, but even at the end, they don't write him to save the day, which I actually thought was a good thing. Mm-hmm. They don't write him to save the day, and then when she calls him, he was happy. He didn't He didn't go off like, oh, I should. I could have saved you. You could. You should have been with me. He's like, are you finally free? I'm happy that you're free. They wrote this nigga as a magical Negro. And and they and it seems like a magical Negro because everyone else, every other man in the film is horrible, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I thought was hilarious. Like everyone's horrible, so they make so it makes him to seem even better than he is. Because he is, it's, it's it's. Let me tell you something. For some odd reason, in the last few god awful years, um, Blair Underwood is literally the nigga that is fucking terrible. He's a terrible person. I, I swear, this is Tyler Perry's fault. He mm-hmm. has him as one abuser, yes. and all of a sudden, they're like, damn, he's a good abuser. Hey, we yes. want to put this black guy in here. Can you be an abusive asshole? <laughs> sure, I mean, bread and butter, bitch. Bread and butter. And I like, can do a combo Ooh. move. I can use and abuse. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh. I'm like, man, y'all don't see this? I mean, That's ugh. so true. Jeez Louise. He also hasn't aged in... 20 years 20 mm. what is that him and 25 Morris, years God. it's like jeez him and more it's like why y'all so fine choo mm. choo sorry so so <sighs> i just wanted to hear stephanie talk about him we can go you, on for sure. wait brandon knows how i feel about blair underwood i'm like excuse me a nigga named blair can get that gawk gawk it's like a nigga named blair 
like, how, who, who thought of this? Why is this nigga's name Blair? You looked at your this baby is, and said, ooh, Blair. Fuck. This was only his third movie, too. He, his first movie was Posse. Yep. Which we'll shoot get to somewhere. It's the posse. In, shoot him up. Shoot him up. We'll, we'll get there somewhere in, in this show. Um, so, after uh, Stoney and, 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 and Har- Harlem, or Harvard nigga, um, get <laughs> together, uh, Stoney and Keith uh, get together, and, and he... Um, Tells her he doesn't want anything from her, that he's happy just listening to her and all that because she's like, I don't give it up on the first date. I ain't gonna give it up to you. Him, Blair, I why, do. Why you here? I don't know what you want from me, nigga, but I don't know. I, I, I don't do that. And he was like, I, I just want to listen to you. I do. I just, I just want to hear you breathing. Um, and so uh, she's like, oh, he just wants to listen to me breathe. And so they talk about shit that she doesn't know anything about. And he's like, let me educate you, which is the part that I noticed. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all y'all get past the cakes and and, and see the fakes. And um, mm-hmm. so then after that, uh, they had the part where Cleo and Stoney become friends again. And then they go back to work where they're, you know, Luther doesn't actually work. He just owns the business. So he sets the women to work and then he leaves. And so this scene played out where they got Cleo back on track uh, mm-hmm. as far as the bank robberies. There's been a rift in this family that is not good for business. That's part of the movie. Do we want to play it like it was? Back to work, see? If only Tashawn and Stoney will come rob the bank with us. We started as a gang of four. We must always be four. Now, Stoney from the Bronx, what is your opinion? Should we rob the bank? Hmm. Only way I can return this family. We do this one more time. Do it right. <laughs> get enough money to get us a body for good. TT, you agree? Cleo Menza. No more funny-looking underwear for your little girlfriend. No more fancy cars. Shopping sprees. <laughs> Can you respect our conditions? Can you live with the terms that your dons have set forth? Yes, Godfather. Tashawn Scalina from Detroit. Are you cool with all of this? I am. And you, Lanthony from the Bronx. Can you accept your Godfather's terms? All right, then. We back in effect. Next stop is Balboa Savings and Loan. What the fuck? Now, now. Uh, just a little quick piece of trivia. We usually do this at the end, but fuck it. 
Almost half the budget of this movie went towards paying for the use of the theme music from The Godfather. Hilarious. <laughs> it's like, child. It was only what? Only like, what? A $9 million budget? I mean. 4.5 of it then. <laughs> Just so you can have a two minute scene. $4.5 million. Um, crazy to me. So they leave there. They go to Balboa Bank. They knock over that bank. Now at that bank, they are set with a few more issues, such as the fact that Cleo, oh Cleo, has this issue where when she robs a car, when she steals a car, because she's stolen cars for Dr. Dre like her entire life. That's how he. That's how she got to know Dr. Dre before he started running guns. He was a car theft guy. And she was his number one guy for our number one car theft stealing person. And so I don't know how she didn't get caught a long time ago because Cleo has this annoying thing where whenever she breaks into a car, she immediately rolls down the window and leaves evidence. You know, this is far and away out of this whole goddamn movie. This was the most preposterous part of it that I was just <laughs> sitting here like, so Fun fact, why the fuck would you do what? Like, <laughs> wait, this is how you get caught. Fingerprints on your CDs. Bitch, ain't she wearing gloves? I'm sorry. Did I miss that? What the fuck? No, that's Girl, even more preposterous than that. What in the Scooby-Doo hell is going on here? The first time she stole the car, she threw everything out, right? And then she found the CD that she liked, right? Mind mm -hmm. you, this is Cleo from somewhere in South Central Los Angeles, okay? Mm -hmm. Riding in a 6-4. She puts on I Ain't No Joke by Eric B. and Rakim. Let me tell you what some that person is not listening to. Eric B. and Rakim in that car in 1995. I, I, well, wait I a minute. Is this supposed to be like, like a white suburban area? Because, you know, it, it might. I don't know. I don't no, know what I'm I'll, saying. Cleo wouldn't. She said, Oh, this is my jam. And she started oh, rolling off the Eric B and Rakim. I ain't no joke. I just want to oh. point out the fact that um, at one point or another, Cleo, who is trying to um, steal a car, <laughs> and Stoney, who's in the other car while she's trying to steal a car, mm -hmm. uh, and Cleo hops into the car and starts throwing tapes out the car now she says hand me a tape i just want to point out nigga if you're gonna steal a car why don't you just have a backpack with your music in it your own music <laughs> i'm gonna throw, throw this tape out with my evidence fling, fling. Oh, and they they literally the they found out of your pants and pee in the street. I mean, they, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> they found the uh, the the tapes that she left in the middle of the street after the first carjacking. Them cops um, are not that fucking smart. Y'all are really giving so much. Um, they are not Benson and Stabler. What y'all doing? And then after she stole that car for the second um, bank robbery, I'm disgusted. She didn't even use the car because there was a homeless man in front of the, the the bank. So cops came to subdue the homeless man. This is just, you know, coincidence. So Yes, because they don't call the cops on homeless people in front of things. Oh no, not at all. Not in LA. 
Oh, absolutely. Not in Los not, not in the Los Angeles. Not in Balboa. They let um, them sleep. They let them sleep in the lobby. So um they see that the cops, there's two cops out front with this homeless guy. Three cops mm-hmm. actually. Um, mm-hmm. and so they're like, How are we gonna get out? And then Cleo comes driving through the wall of the bank uh, in a Tahoe. Um, they hop into the Tahoe and then she goes through the wall of a fucking Benny Hannes. Uh, a guy who is allegedly cooking food on top of one of the, the grills, one of the hibachis at the Benny Hannes, has a dive out the way and rolls over the grill. No sizzling sounds. He's not hurt at all. He just rolls over the grill and nothing else happens. They also, go. Also, when she first busted through the bank, right, the police didn't even notice. They were still outside just doing they didn't they didn't hear a, somebody run through the glass door of a bank. They only noticed when she ran through the wall of the restaurant next door. Then they said, Oh shit. Next. Something something's about something's happening. Let let me pay attention. Also, you're not gonna tell me she's not a sociopath. I'm sorry. You're not gonna tell me that. She's done a lot of shit in this fucking film that was outrageous. So they leave. They go back to Cleo's garage again. They count the money. They have even more this time. Now they have $275,000. They split it up three or four ways. It should be enough for them to go. But then for some fucking reason, instead of them just, you know, leaving, Oh, no, they had to stay because it was three days until TT's um, TT could have stayed. Hearing. TT could have stayed. TT well, could have stayed. They're friends. They wanted to support her. Yeah, no. I, no, I saw Frankie. I saw Frankie fucking flash on TT just a little bit ago. I saw Cleo. They weren't going to stay. I wouldn't have stayed. I would have been like, all right, send me a postcard. Let me know how it goes. I'll call you. But even if they do stay, okay, let's say that they are the best friends that they seem to be, which is beautiful. That's dope. That's wonderful. Why the fuck would you go to a business office, <laughs> a, a, a office building that you have no keys to and, and hide your money in one of the vents? Also, can we talk about the fact that why are y'all going through all of this um, robbing and go, oh, no, I'm sorry, we have to stay here for the law. I'm like, if y'all were just going to go to fucking Mexico and mm-hmm. give your kid and go- no, we're we not doing this? Oh, great. Mm-hmm. At this point, they got, from the for all three banks, they at least got a hundred plus thousand dollars each. Which in 96 all- is good money. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good money in 1996. Uh-huh. So Especially when she was talking about, remember when they were sitting on the roof? And uh, Cleo was like, yeah, that factory was paying people $15 an hour. You know what mm-hmm. I would do for $15 an hour? Like, you can buy this, 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 and this, and this, and this for $15 an hour. And I was like, at one point of me was like, oh, this is sad because we're still fighting for $15 an hour. But the other part of me was like, <laughs> in 1996, $15 an hour was actually a decent That was duty dumb money because when I was in 2001, when I was a sophomore in college, because I stopped, fuck y'all. I worked in a restaurant and they were getting 
$2.15 an hour mm. working in a restaurant. 2001 so you know no i take that back it wasn't 2001 it was 2000 it was 2000 sorry y'all i don't want y'all coming after me in the mansions um <laughs> but so instead of them just breaking south and going to mexico uh stoney goes on a date and uh stoney um, goes on a date to see keith, goes to see keith the magical negro who's like yo i'm going to pick you up in a limo and Stoney's like, the fuck? And he's like, yeah, a limo. Have you seen one before? Um, English motherfucker, do you speak it? That was that was how I took that. A limo? Yes, a limo, nigga. Have you seen one? Um, so the limo comes and picks her up, and she's wearing a Starburst outfit. Um, <laughs> and apparently Cleo told her that that's what she, or Frankie told her that that, Cleo, that outfit was popping. Um, and so... Keith is like, it ain't. <laughs> and so he's like, yo, I've never lied to you about anything except for one thing. And she's looking at him like, you motherfucker, I knew you lied about something. And he was like, nah, really, it's just the outfit. No, let's go <laughs> get this fixed right now. Um, gets the outfit fixed. They go to the bank. They meet a bunch of bankers. She tells them straight out, nigga, I have, I too am a banker. I get money from different sources and funds <laughs> yes. and invest them. The white folks are like, she's so smart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So good. It was like, what the hell is going on? So, you know, that scene reminded me of something. So one of my friends uh, 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 did a podcast, um, Shahid, and he reviewed some movie with Jada Pinkett. I thought it was Collateral, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he brought up a good point that this, this scene uh, brought back to me. And he was like, you know, Jada Pinkett, it was like so beautiful. But she was never cast as like the bombshell like back nope. then. And they were like, and she he and he brought up a good point. He was like, you know, if she was a white woman, she would have absolutely had roles of like the beautiful bombshell in the role. But and he was oh, like, yeah. people didn't know what to do with her. Cause he was like, even other black women like Robin Gibbons and other people were cast as the bombshell, but Jada Pinkett was never cast as that. And she you was know, always had the different homie. roles. She was always a homie. Like we'll be talking about um a low down dirty shame uh, later on in our adventures. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I can say right now about a low down dirty shame is that I walked away from that movie with an intense crush on Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that she was just like, ooh, but at the same time, like you said, she was always that homie. And any mm-hmm. role she was in, she was the homie until this one in which she was given the opportunity to be somebody. Mm-hmm. Um. So they go to this bank banquet, and she charms everybody by talking out of her ass. Mm-hmm. And so then they go back to his house because she said this is the magical night. I've never felt like this before. And he's like, "Cool." And so they go back to his house, where In Vogue plays, and he yes. does the nineteen ninety six nigga move of the year. Baby, do you want a massage? And gives her a back massage in front of the fire uh, with her bucket naked. Um, That's why we used to get y'all naked back in the 90s, was offer a massage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so the massage works, and they make love and all that kind of stuff. And then the next day they go to work, and they find out that Luther has somehow, Luther has somehow 
Ladies and gentlemen, Luther, who has misgendered Cleo throughout this movie, who has never stepped foot into this office building, who has never done anything of interest in this office building except for yell down to them from the second story down to the lobby to get the work. He has never been seen actually putting in work. He has never been seen actually vacuuming. He's never been seen uh, gallivanting through the, the floors or anything like that. It's always been the ladies in the empty building. Luther somehow... Mm-hmm has stolen the money that for some reason they put into the vent on one of these random floors in this office building. Luther somehow found it when it's covered up by one of these vents that as I look up at the ceiling in my house, I can't see in that fucker. <laughs> How about that? I can't see what's, there could be a rat staring at me right now. And I would not know because I can't see because the vent is so, it was so small. The, the, they're turned in a certain way where you can't see in there unless you're looking. They had the perfect hiding spot and Luther somehow knew right where the money was and took it. And then quit and didn't tell none of them he quit. So they showed up for work the next day and he was already gone, which means he must have known who the money belonged to if he didn't call them and say, you know what, we're shutting down this business because mm-hmm. Luther is enough of a dickhole that he would have told them you're all fucking fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so this was the most realistic part of the film to me because not the figuring out although you can probably explain it that he has cameras in the building he saw them put it there but they he doesn't have cameras the building but has cameras. the most realistic part of this film is if i'm a nigga that just found seventy five thousand dollars in an event two hundred seventy five thousand two hundred seventy five thousand dollars let me tell you what i'm not doing telling anyone <laughs> i am getting the fuck out and then that led to the most unrealistic part that you brought up is that not only did he he left out that problem, like, okay, smart Luther, you found some money, you're getting the fuck out of charge. But then you go talk to Dr. Dre, because remember, they, they went and talked to Dr. Dre to find out where Luther was staying at. Mm-hmm. And then Luther's first thought, which this is actually probably more realistic than I thought it is, I'm let me go, go find me woman. a white woman. <laughs> let me go find me a white woman to spend this money on in this shitty-ass hotel. <laughs> And they never addressed where he hid the money. So apparently there's $275,000 somewhere in Los Angeles. Uh, no, uh, apparently the $275,000 was all in his uh, in that role that Cleo put into her pocket before she took the, the driver's license to the white woman that threatened her, who somehow the cops actually were able to stop and talk to Wendy um the sex Not worker Wendy. and Not take Wendy, her, the sex worker and take her to the prison and then Cleo got picked up and nobody 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 fucking saw Cleo tap her shirt so nobody nope. went in there and was like hey y'all nobody Cleo tapped her shirt that probably means she's the one who fucking did it plus she's probably threatening this person does nobody know what it means when you tap a shirt as you turn? When you know there's a victim through the window? Does nobody meet? Oh, oh, 96? Oh, no, no crimes happened? Okay. White folks never called the cops on black folks who they were scared of in the 90s? What? Huh. Okay, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. That white woman, I because I, I, imagine, I'd never seen this film before. So I was watching this scene. I was like, oh, this white woman. She gonna snitch. She not gonna be able. She not. She not gonna. Uh, she gonna tell him exactly who it is. And that white woman was like, 
nah, I don't see no one there. Can I leave now? <laughs> I was like, what? Mm. That took me completely off guard because I was not expecting that at all. And them cops were being extra, like, they were pushed, like, legally. They were, put, like, not not that you should be surprised, but they were pushing that shit because you're not supposed to, like, lead your witness when you do that. And they were like, are you sure? Look at her. They're like, look at her. <laughs> Is that her right there? And I was like, uh, I don't think you can say that. Like, that's not like legal. I don't think you can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she got out of it. But after Rashani, no. What happened was I don't they only got part of the money because there was only a little bit of money in that knapsack because she says, she says to the white woman, where did Luther hide the rest of our money at? And the white woman was like, I don't know. I just met him here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So and that was the whole reason why they had to rob another bank. So they didn't get they didn't get that money taken away from him by the police. He had hit it somewhere. Ah, uh, so they decide to rob one more bank, and the bank that decided to rob is Keeps Bank. <laughs> the one that they were already in, nobody knew they were casing it out, but the one that they were already in, they're going to go and rob it. And so, yeah, the cops are talking to Keith's bosses and they're like, you know what? Just looking, just looking at all of the, the <laughs> video and statistics that we have going on here, everything points to them coming back to your bank neck. Don't ask us how we know this because there's Wells Fargo and there's Bank of America and there's Citibank. And we could use any of them because we literally said their names in the midst of this banking banquet that we were at, but they're going to come directly to Keith's bank. Yes. Be on the lookout. We're going to have police over here in undercovers waiting for them to come back. Y'all should be safe. Mm. Also, we're going to talk about, I mean, not, we don't need to talk about it. How fucking easy was it to, like, how they made it seem like robbing a bank in 1996 was the easiest fucking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I could just roll up in this bank, tell everybody to get down. I've seen stories of bank robbers the police get there it's one thing police do come on time for is a fucking bank robbery they not wasting no time to and get also, to there's somebody no, like die packs in that money i'm like oh, i'm sorry <laughs> exactly. did the movies again lie to me yes the movies lie to me because i no no pink dye no blowing up money it's like i saw die money. packs in movies in the 70s and 80s in bank robberies like, <laughs> i see what? it explode in people's face i'm like y'all actually got money in this bank what the hell like y'all actually got man excuse me my bank right now they only have fucking people in their bank usually when it's like bank robberies usually when it's bank robberies like this is in some small town I just found this completely funny that this is like downtown. Put your Los hands Angeles. up, Petunia. <laughs> Put the money in the sack. What the fuck is going on here? There's no money in here. This is a bank. What do you think this is? The reserve? They got money there. Go there. Damn it. Yes. Go get a cow. Go to the cow. I mean... Go to the cow. Get money out the cow. Oh, and the whole time, because I know Rashani's getting to the almost getting to the last scene, but there's one thing that I think is important in this. Is this whole time in between the times we were talking about, we would get cutscenes with Detective Strode where he's like, I'm the mastermind nigga figuring this mm-hmm. shit out. Cause you know, he hangs out with her and then she hangs out with her and then she hangs out with her. And I'm gonna be in the car and I'm gonna snap pictures of them picking each other up. 
which proves nothing. <laughs> but I'm gonna snap pictures of them picking each other up because I know they're doing this together. And I I looked at this video, this grainy ass black and white 1996 video in a 13 inch television, and somehow they could zoom in and make it super clear to see Jada Pinkett's face. And they got all this proof, but you still can't do shit. But you just know it's them. And then the best part that we skipped over was, remember when he went up to the black police chief and he was like, hey, chief, I think I know who's doing these bank robberies. You know that boy that we, you know the college kid that we killed by accident a couple weeks ago? It's her sister. And he was, and the chief's like, uh, so you, what you're saying is you want to go harass the sister of an innocent nigga that we just killed? Um, that's a no for me. <laughs> And then he ain't, he ignored the shit out of his chief and kept pursuing this shit and kept pursuing this shit. Just sorry, mm, child. Robin getting whole buckets of money out of a bank. I am disgusted. We need to rob a bank. Don't say that. Wonder how that works. Ain't no money there. Don't no say that on this show. Last thing I need is white folks pulling up on me. Ain't no money in them banks, y'all. Just good to hell luck. Y'all might as well, you better like hack somebody and get some Bitcoin. <laughs> like, ain't no money in them banks. Ain't got no money. There. You know, Mike built a Bitcoin generator in his house. Did I tell you that? Bitcoin gen? What? Yeah, so Bitcoin can be generated by computers. Oh. Oh. That's interesting. Wow. Nerds. So, oh, you're good. So, they end up going in this bank, robbing the bank. Everything already starts off sideways. Like, literally, everything is pointing towards we should go back home. Um, Cleo can't find the right music. Um, there's like, uh, there were like three or four different things that happened where they were like, this doesn't feel right. We shouldn't do this. And they were like, you know what? We're going to do this anyway. They're wearing masks that aren't even like the wigs that they were wearing and nobody could recognize because they're wearing wigs and sunglasses and all black people look alike. Um, they're wearing masks now that are like see-through masks and they run up in there and they rob the bank and uh, they could have actually gotten out before the cops came in because the mm -hmm. cops had actually driven away. Uh, mm -hmm. They had been waiting for the ladies to show up. And when they didn't show up, the cops were like, all right, we're going to get donuts. And they dipped out. But then the lady showed up. The cops were too far away. They had to turn around and come back. So they had actually gotten all the money that they needed. And TT uh, was getting ready to vault the uh, jump over the, the counter to leave out. And they would have all gotten away Scott, Scout, Scott, Scott free. <laughs> but then Cleo was like, nah, nigga, we need more money. Go back. And so TT uh, went back over and got the rest of the money. It was like literally two stacks of bills that were left. Went back and got the rest of the money, which gave the cops enough time to get there and go through the back door and be like, freeze. We know who you is. Lita. Lita Newsom. I'm sorry about your brother. <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh i'm sorry that your brother's dead it wasn't me <laughs> nobody else needs to get shot 
put the guns down. Nobody else needs to get shot. And they're pointing guns at them. And him and Rock's wife are pointing guns at her. <laughs> Rock's wife. And um, everything's good. Lita's actually putting the gun down. And Cleo's like, the fuck is wrong with you? And Titi's putting the gun down. And Cleo still has the machine gun pointed at both of them motherfuckers. There's two against three. We could take y'all. Um, and Cleo's getting ready to put the gun down when this white security guard hero guy bursts out of nowhere and pops TT in the chest. So Cleo and Stoney both fill him up with lead and then a shootout happens and then they leave and they hop into the car with uh, Frankie, who's the getaway driver this time. That was the other issue. Frankie was the getaway driver instead of the lead on this one. Mm. Um, so there was nobody there to tell Cleo, nah, nigga, stop being greedy, let's go. Um, they hop in the car and they dip out. They are uh, trying to get to a hospital, but they got to change cars because the cops are looking for a certain car. They drive up a hill, like far away from the bank, and they try and transfer cars, but TT dies before they can get to the other car. They don't even mourn her. Like, I'm not saying they're like, it's a bad thing. They cry for a second, their heads drop, but they keep it pushed because they know the cops, they just stole it. They just robbed a bank and the cops are already there. Somehow, as they're driving away from up the hill, the fucking helicopter is already on their asses. Hmm. Whew. So they uh, keep driving. Cleo's driving. And now it's night. So they've been driving for a long time. Um, on top of the police helicopter, there's also a news copter there. And um, they drive into a tunnel. And Cleo's like, get out. And Stoney and Frankie are like, nah, nigga, we ain't doing that. Mm -hmm. And Cleo's like, nah, y'all get out. Go the opposite way for me to come out. And then y'all go the opposite way. It's going to be all good. And so they run the opposite way. And Cleo rolls out with the uh six four um there's a fucking roadblock that she bursts through and she keeps it pushing and now there's cars there's cops chasing her and helicopters and everything they go the opposite way uh cleo gets surrounded by helicopters and and cops with guns and 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 everybody pointed directly at her six four they're telling her to get out the car. She doesn't have a gun in her hand. She just has a blunt, or a cigarette, rather. Sad music starts playing. Cleo takes a pull at a cigarette, starts driving forward, and everybody fucking opens fire. What's the procedure when somebody's driving a car? Everybody opens fire. So Cleo drives through that, and she gets through the roadblock, and she hops out, and she's shot up, but she hops out with a machine gun in her hand, and then they fill her up with even more lead, and she dies. That part I cried on. Um, Big boo-hoo tears. And also, that song that's playing during that scene, it's not on the soundtrack. Nope, it's not, but a nigga still found it, because... So did I. I had to look for it. I was like, oh, I love this song so much. Mm-hmm. And it's something that will literally break your heart every time you hear it. It is called, ladies and gentlemen, Stories We Lived. Um, and it's by uh, 
the Gagliano strings and Alexis French, just in case you were ever looking for it and they weren't telling you shit. Uh, so Cleo's dead. Titi's dead. Frankie and Stoney are still running. They split up. They hug. Frankie runs up the stairs and immediately runs into cops. Who I don't know how they found her. I don't know if they had like a tracking device inside of her bag of money or what or how they found her, but they found her damn near immediately and she's surrounded too. Meanwhile, Frankie runs past a hotel, sees a group of white people getting onto a bus with sombrero. She grabs a sombrero too, puts a sombrero on her head until she gets on the bus, at which point she takes the sombrero back off. Leave the fucking sombrero on, Stony, Lita. Anyhow. So, Frankie, same cop, Rock's wife, John McGinty, looking at her. 15, 20 other cops pointing guns at Frankie. John McGinty's like, be cool! I've been trying not to get people killed this whole movie, and it hasn't worked yet, but be cool! Mm, mm, mm. Calm down! Frankie, I need you to be a better person for life. T.T.'s dead, man. Cleo's dead, man. We don't want you to be dead, too. Trust me and put the gun down. Mm. Frankie instead says, fuck that, and brings up some old shit that he said to her when she got fired, which is quite simply, what's the procedure when you got a gun to your motherfucking head? Mm-hmm. What's the procedure? And he can't answer because he's got a gun to his fucking head and he's scared. She turns around. She's running away from them. Instead of shooting to subdue, they aim full mass and shoot her directly in her chest. And she dies. As she dies, the bus that Stoney has gotten on is stuck in traffic and is rolling past them. The cop looks past the downed Frankie. As he says, who shot that? Who did that? He looks up and he sees Stoney in the bus window. And instead of stopping Stoney and actually apprehending all the uh, bank robbers like he's supposed to as a police officer, he's like, I've caused enough death. And he Mm -hmm. lets her go. So Mm -hmm. she goes to Mexico, cuts off all her braids and uh, calls uh, Keith, doesn't say shit on the phone. So he guesses who it is on the phone talking to him. Um, like it's not being recorded after he says her name. I don't know how that works. Um, and then she hops into a Jeep and rides off towards God knows where. So nobody gets away happy. Stoney has to live with the deaths of all of her friends and her brother for the rest of her life. All of her friends are dead. Brother's dead. And it's all because, honestly, men just couldn't stay out their fucking way. Stephanie, who was the star of this movie? Like, if you had to choose, who was the actual MVP of this movie? Um, the CDs that flew out after Cleo <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so funny. Oh god. Um 
I'm sorry, this is problematic. Blair Underwood, because, well, he's magical. Okay. I love him so much. Brandon? Um, I don't think anybody was like a standout actress or actor in this film. To me, they were, it was kind of a... You take that a, back. It's Blair Underwood. I said it was Queen Latifah like and Jada as, co, as co-MVPs. It was like an ensemble to me. Everybody was decent. Nobody was a bad... The thing about this film that I uh, liked... Vivica was bad. Viv, well, she was Vivica at the time. I just thought... Vivica's a bad me, actress. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't say it. Oh, 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 it. oh. We could have this conversation because she was no, an Independence not. Day as well. She's a okay. bad... She's not good at this. Excuse she me. She just... Does I it. object, Your Honor. She was a bad stripper. She wasn't a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that is the hill I will die on. To me, this was just an ensemble. Like to me, everybody just did their part. Nobody really stood out to me in this film, like yeah, some of the other ones we saw. Ooh, but also, yeah, unlike some of the other ones we saw, there was nobody that was just terrible. Like them other films we reviewed so far, it was always one or two people that were just really, really bad at this. Oh, I, actually, Dr. Dre was pretty bad. <laughs> it's Dr. Dre. So. <laughs> but it's, it's Dr. Dre. But he was bad. Uh, what would y'all say uh, aged the best in this movie? The CDs that Cleo threw out the window. <laughs> I said cops um, shooting people as their backs are turned. The police. Ooh. You said bad or good? Uh, that's something that is still happening right now. So it's something that ain't changed and ain't gone away. Cops shooting people as they backs are turned. They undefeated. The police. Mm. That's what I mm-hmm. wrote. Mm-hmm. Now, what didn't age well, Stephanie, that's them CDs. Oh, yeah. Fuck that shit. CDs also, and that. Hmm? Robbing a bank like that <laughs> didn't age well. No. Actually, <laughs> banks didn't age well. Yes. With the advent of like digital, like you can cash checks by just taking a picture of it and all that kind of stuff. People, crowded banks are like a thing of the past. I mean, now I guess with COVID where everybody's got to stand in line, but before then, mm-hmm. and also another thing that I don't see too often anymore, I should try it out tonight though, is the good old back massager love making combo move. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be hard to turn down one from Blair Underwood in 1996. I, mean, I can would, imagine that being a tough decision. Why would anybody turn it down? Like, it's Blair. Turn down <laughs> for what? I mean, seriously. It's like, poof. Blair. I declare. <laughs> so, uh, you, we all know that Issa Rae is doing a remake of this. She did. Uh, it was uh, reported last year around October or September of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. her movie when it comes out who do you think can play the roles in this day and age who do you think could do it better like as far as Stoney um, honestly for Stoney I have um, what's the young lady who was in Euphoria Zendaya mm-hmm. I don't see that okay no. what do y'all got I would see her actually as Kimberly Elise's role yes yes that's what I was going to say. I can uh, see her I like her for that. Yeah. I like her for TT. Okay. Um, for Fra- Frankie, that's Vivica's No. Role, um, Stoney. 
Sony. Okay, you're talking yes. about Sony. Um, trying to, I'm trying to mix it up. You know, what's her name? I could see her casting herself as Sony. I mean, I could Issa? see that. Yeah, yes. I could. Okay. I would like her as Sony. Um, Frankie? Hmm. This is... um. I'm only saying this because I used to watch Black Lightning and Brandon and I used to <laughs> do Brand Lightning, but you know who I'm going to say, Nefessa. <laughs> I kind of like her for that. Well, you don't have to have a strong actress to do this. Again, <laughs> I also would enjoy it. So yes, I would enjoy that too. Nefessa for um, Frankie. Cleo. You said young M.A. earlier. Well, no. I'm saying she reminds me. I'm talking about an actress. I, I saw like a young M.A. in um, Mr. Robot, and she was fantastic in that film. I mean, that TV show. I, I kind of, even though I don't want to, I really don't want a dark-skinned Black woman in this role, quite frankly, because I'm like, y'all just going to be just terrible to him. However, Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. So not Danielle Brooks, but the girl that was her best. I can't think of her name. Uh, Pusay? Not Pusay. The one who um, ran Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Black Karen, was that her name? Yeah, is, was it? Black Cindy. Black, Black Cindy. Cindy. Her. Okay, I can see that. I, like I her really could see that. And she's an excellent actress, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cindy Hayes. What the heck was her real name, though? I can't remember her name, but I like her. Yeah, I would like I would like her for that. Adrian Moore. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like I like her for that. She would do perfectly. She would. That would be mm-hmm. dope. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, I think Tessa Thompson would have been good as TT. Tessa Thompson as TT. Not. Clinton. I would have saw her as Stony. I see everybody as Stony. Wait a minute. We gotta cast Cleo's um girlfriend. I mean, she ain't really had no lines. <laughs> that would be young MA. No. Um, That's no. Because you don't have to talk. Um, so for. I don't know who would be Cleo. That's an excellent question. For, you don't see that type of role anymore. In for movies. her girlfriend, I don't know. But for Keith. Ooh. Blair, Blair Underwood. Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> he Wait, looks exactly like, the same. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he could. I feel like it can Well, I mean, no, we can get we can get a young dude in there. Oh, that dude, that dude from The Watchmen. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Mateen? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like him. Kind of like played that role. What's his he name? Homeboy from what Mbaku? He might be good because he plays nerdy good. He played nerdy good in us. Yeah. So one of them. That's I like exciting. that. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Mm, yes. But damn, no no blue peen. No, no. No blue peen. Mm. And let's see. Who else? Oh, the cop. Who plays the cop? He was a yeah. star in this role, a movie. Ooh. 
the easy one is to say. Person, um, I w- I would say Willem Dafoe. <laughs> he's too old, and he Aww. doesn't even look like he believes what he's saying. But Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> He's old too. He's he's not live. Um, that's tough one. Oh, um, uh, no, no, he's too racist. Like they tried, they tried to make him subtly racist, even though he was overtly racist. But the writing was subtly racist. But my man from, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I know what you're talking. Chris? About. No, not Chris. Not Chris Pratt. He played Yondu. Um. Oh him? Well, he's old too. Yeah, he's old too. That's true. But I think he's still. I don't know. All these white man actors are the same to me, except the best ones. Yeah. Like you know, there's you know, there's Leo and a few other ones, and everybody else is just the same to me. Hmm. I think of Ethan Hawke. Mm. Ethan Hawke could do that. He I feel. Do that. See, I feel like it shouldn't be like a big name for that. True. True. I need somebody a little bit smaller. I need somebody who was on the wire or something. Oh yeah, it could be Press. <laughs> oh, no. Mind you, I've never seen the wire. I'm just saying, somebody from the wire or somebody who was in Law and Order, like one of them. Press Belusky could play the cop. He was doing his best stabler. He was doing a good ass stabler. Mm. But no, I don't. No. Press. <laughs> that would actually be quite funny. Um, actually, what if they made the cop a black man? Mm. Like in uh, like the you know. All right, Rashani, who's the worst cop? This one, or the nigga in Boys in the Hood? The nigga in Boys in the well, no, because the nigga in Boys in the Hood ain't got a chance to murder nobody. This cop killed at least. Well, technically, he didn't kill anyone. Technically, mm. he, he didn't pull the trigger. If it was some, if it was a black person playing it, I would want it to be the guy who played. Um, it would still be somebody from the Wire. He done started it now. Uh, probably Chris Partlow, or else. Um, the guy who played Marlo. Oh, I know none Marlo. of these names because yeah. I didn't watch The Wire. Jamie Hector. It's like I've who plays a good coon? That's what you got to look for. Um, oh. Dr. See, Umar. Know, was, oh, see, you know what? <laughs> see, if this was a few years ago, it could be like that same light-skinned dude who's always in the movies and he was playing the coon, but he was passing for white, so that's why he could do that Ooh. shit. Speaking of Michael Rappaport. Oh, fuck him forever. Oh, yes. 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 That is perfect. So y'all don't <laughs> want me to see this movie because no. <laughs> that is perfect. I'm sorry, but fuck him. Like, fuck Michael Rappaport. I'm like, oh, yes, indeed. Fuck Michael Rappaport. It but he's not like, famous. He's just, it was, you know, he's not like a big name famous. Apparently that, that show he's on, I don't know what if it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Apparently it's good. I haven't watched it because fuck Michael Rappaport. Oh, the uh, one of uh, atypical. Yeah, yeah. Is it on it, Netflix? It's it's on Netflix, and it is cool. Okay. And dis- despite him, that's one of the mm-hmm. movies that I was saying has aged, or one of the shows I said has aged well as far as um, dealing with uh, characters that have 
uh, autism or some other mental uh, issue. Um, yeah. Mm. But yeah, Michael Rapport's on it. Mm. Boy, oh boy. That would be good. Mm. I think that's all the people that need to be cast. Everybody else is miscellaneous. I feel like you can find somebody. Like, mm-hmm. Even for the cops, I feel like you can find somebody. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, yeah, because yeah, that's about it. So for Stoney, we got Issa Rae. For TT, we got Zendaya. Uh, for Frankie, we got Nafessa Williams. For Cleo, we got Adrian Moore. Uh, I don't remember who we said for Ursula. Um, for <laughs> Keith, we got Blair Underwood, or else Yaya Mateen, or else Winston mm-hmm. Duke. Mm-hmm. And for Detective Stroh, we got Michael Rappaport. Yep. Or Fuck Michael Sarah. <laughs> Michael Sarah. Oh no. I mean, yeah, we need somebody a little bit younger. Oh, Michael Sarah. Yeah, I don't know. Colin Jost. Did Ursula have more lines than uh no the woman in um New Jack City? Yeah, because she said Rockabye Baby. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. She had more lines than Keisha. Um so if not Michael Sarah, then ugh, I'm I'm running out of white people's names. That's uh, fine. Yeah, we'll just go with Michael Rappaport. If it's black, it could be Anthony Mackie. No, I'm not I'm not gonna do that to him. He was already the guy who had whose parents had a nice marriage. <laughs> yeah, fuck him too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I have to go. I'm sorry. So a few trivia. Uh oh, another thing to age while on here was the soundtrack. The soundtrack is gold. The soundtrack reached number four on the Billboard charts. Oh, damn, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when that, the when the movie was released on pay per view, when the movie was released on pay per view, it was doing so well. The soundtrack itself, the New Line Cinema, which is the black movie studio of the nineties, yes. Um, yes. New Line Cinema gave a copy of the soundtrack to people who ordered the long kiss goodnight. Like they used the soundtrack and set it off to convince people to buy another movie that had absolutely fuck all to do with set it off. Yep. Excuse me. It is, it, I just have to say the monster hit that is in vogue, the original in vogue, all fucking four of them the intro from the drums and then just Dawn singing. I'm like, oh. I mean, it was playing in the background where you were talking about Keith earlier, but I know you were caught up in the rapture. And (laughs) (laughs) when you were like, what is that? I actually heard it. I was like, that's my song. Okay. I'm going to go fuck somebody right now. <laughs> um, this was Queen Latifah's first leading role, obviously, but it was also the film debut of Kimberly Elise. It was? Uh, she was discovered by the producer Del Pollock at a restaurant where she was a waitress. Mm-hmm. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Uh, Brandy was offered the role of TT, but declined. Uh, that's yes. probably because she knew she was going to hit somebody with a car and kill him. Um, Shut <laughs> up. 
Look, look, everybody who's going back right now and watching Moesha can tell you that Brandy's character was not the best. I am telling y'all, let me say, I have to say this and then I'm sorry y'all have to leave, unfortunately. But let me just tell y'all this. I have been saying it for a couple of years that Moesha aged like milk and I am dreading the timeline when Girlfriends comes back out in mid-September because y'all not not ready for this. Y'all not going pretty because I saw Moesha. I was like, but we, I'm like, I already knew this was going on. This is not aging well. Martin also kind of didn't age well either, Mm-mm. but it had more episodes where it was like, yeah, let's just act like we don't see this. But for Moesha, it's a little bit different because, you know, we're traditionally harder on Black women when it comes to this kind of thing, but that's neither here nor there. And um, yeah, good to have luck when uh, Girlfriends drops. So the last thing I'm going to say before you dip out is in the first draft of the script, uh, the character of Stony was addicted to crack. Oh, how nice! What? Because Why? let's make a bleak movie even bleaker. This was later written Y'all out of the script. Y'all don't love black women. Y'all don't love black women. It's like they got to wait. They gotta be housekeepers. They gotta fuck the nasty swamp dick dudes. They gotta be having babies out of wedlock. They gotta be stupid. They gotta be delayed. They gotta have hot ass girlfriends but look a fucking mess. I mean, it's a lot going on. Like, they can't have shit because that's the ghetto. Fuck you. That's not it. Stephanie, go ahead and tell them one more time where they can find you at. So, once again, thank you guys for having me here. You can find me um, on the social meds, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Mocha Minutes. You can also follow me if you want to follow me personally. Well, it gets a little, you know, it gets a little, it's the timeline of sleep-esque on my personal, which is Sunny Twote That. You can also find Mocha Minutes on uh, everywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox. You got a podcatcher? I'm probably there. But yes, thank you guys so much for having me. Can't wait to be back and talk about other movies that didn't age well. Ooh, when we talk about Spaceballs. Whoops. It's on the list. Yes! Sorry. I didn't take you as a Spaceballs person. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I love that movie growing up. <laughs> so I have that movie right now. So. so this movie, Jada Pinkett originally wanted to play the part of Cleo. Um, and it's filmed in March 1996, but, she, but Jada had to leave to go film Scream Part 2. So the last scenes of Set It Off were shot in August of 1996. You know what? And that's my cue to leave because you just said scream too. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye, Steph. <laughs> this film also King... made. Hmm? Oh, good. My bad. Keep going. Oh, no. I was just going to say uh, Regina King did audition for the role of Frankie as well. That she would have been much better than Vivica. Yeah. Much better. But Chili wanted to play Stoney. Hold, hold on. From TLC? From TLC. <laughs> We don't no. know if she begged for the role. She might have been too proud. <laughs> this film made a lot of money, though. I mean, it made $41 million. With a $9 million budget, that is, that's a very successful film in 1996. Really, $4.5 million budget, because, again, they spent half of it trying to get that Godfather theme song, which really, F. Gary, that's, that's what we're spending money on now. That's... I don't care how much it costs. It costs $4.5 million. I care. 
how much it costs. Can we get somebody to remember when Vanilla Ice made the Under Pressure song and he did dun 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 dun? Can we do that? Can we instead of paying four point five million dollars for a two minute song, can can somebody write me something? Can they just do the voices and people know what we're talking about without me having to put the music in the background? Questions. A comedy scene. A comedy scene. Questions. <sighs> but yeah, um, like I said, we're done. Hold on, we're done. Our um, our hood movies, but or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favorite one out of the rewatches that we? You know, watched? actually, out of the rewatches that we did, um, New Jack City, bro. Because it was what I thought it was. <laughs> and it got funnier. Like, <laughs> yes. I got my Jimmy Wax every day last week. New Jack City is what happens when a bad writer writes a movie for good actors. And the good actors recognize it as a chance to just go buck wild. Yeah. Oh, man. That was that the movie, best. That movie holds up the best to me because... It wasn't trying to be too serious, but it, it knew what it was, and it's still funny. Like you mm-hmm. said, like I can still the parts that were meant to be funny are still funny in 2020, and it had some problematic parts, but it wasn't overly problematic. There's a lot more movies from that time that you just can't get through. Where you just watching, you just like I can't, I can't watch this in 2020. It's too much. Um, that movie wasn't it. Um, the best movie I think was Boys in the Hood, obviously. I think that was mm-hmm. the best movie. Um, but I'm with you. The most enjoyable rewatch that we've had um was New Jack City by far. By far. By far. So again, um starting up next month, we're gonna have a new uh block of uh shows for you. Um it's it's Eddie Murphy month. Uh, prepare yourselves accordingly yes. uh, to hear a whole lot of <laughs> um, <laughs> because we are this train ain't stopping y'all we want to thank y'all for listening please go ahead and go to whatever podcast feeder you go to and give us a five star review um, our email address is hindsightmoviereviews at gmail.com that is r-e-v-u-e s at gmail.com um and just let us know what you think if there's a movie that you want to see or you want to hear a uh hindsight done for let us know we might be able to accommodate you the list is long and getting longer um or send us a message on the facebook page hindsight movie reviews or you can find us on twitter at hindsight reviews r-e-v r-e-v-u yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, interact with us uh, there, uh, and also uh, one of us is live tweeting when we watch these from this from the Twitter feed. So if you want to uh, watch the film with us, you can always do that as well. Yes, sir. Um, I want to thank y'all again for taking the time out to listen, for liking the page, for sharing the show with your friends and with your enemies and with your family. Um, I want to thank everybody who uh, has uh, followed the page already, followed the uh, Twitter account already. Um, 
we're having a good time doing this and there's a lot more to come. We got guests lined up, folks that you know, some folks are going to be shocking to you. Um, but yeah, thank y'all so much for checking us out. Uh, for Brandon and Stephanie, uh, I'm Rashani. Uh, y'all be good. Peace. Music for Hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, and you slip.